Welcome to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from August 23rd, 1995. From the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you all good evening or good morning, as the case may be, across all these very many time zones from the Tahitian and Hawaiian Islands east to the U.S. Virgin Islands and the Caribbean, south well into South America, north to the North Pole. We call it Coast to Coast AM, and the title still works, just that there's more coasts. Welcome, everybody. I'm Art Bell, and this is live overnight talk radio, actually the largest um, overnight show in America, period. Good to be here. Now, a couple of uh, notes. Uh, one is the late news that Harry Wu may be out, and I guess the first lady will be in. Harry Wu may be out of jail, got a 15-year sentence, but expelled. So I'm not sure what 15-year sentence means. It means they were angry, but you're out of here. And prime means they want the first lady to come and talk at the women's, attend the women's conference in China. And I wonder how you feel about that. It does seem an odd place for it, you know, uh, communist China, where women, I can assure you, from my recent visit, do not have... Uh, one of the higher places in their society, to put it mildly. So it seems an odd place uh, for the conference, but uh, it was Asia's turn to have it, and uh, Communist China volunteered for whatever reason. Who knows? Well, it sure was fun. I, I did uh, part of the morning show um, yesterday morning on uh, KCMO in Kansas City, and we had a blast. Some of you may have heard that, those of you who are up late enough. Um, tomorrow morning, or yes, now still in this time zone, tomorrow morning, I'll be doing yet another one with WSDR in Sterling, Illinois, 1240 on the dial in Sterling, so if you're up at that time, I will be about the same 30, as about same, <laughs> yeah, it'll be the same 30, 930 um, central time. Now, uh, at the beginning of the program, I, I just got a call uh, prior to the program that, in fact, uh, there is a beginning eruption of a volcano in the Caribbean. Now, this is pretty serious news um, if you've ever listened to Gordon Michael Scallion. And I, I'll tell you what, I have got the Gordon Michael Scallion interview that I played a couple of weeks ago. And I may play it again after midnight. I just may root it out and play it. In the meantime, I'm going to open my first-time caller line for the Caribbean so we can find out what's going on out there. What is going on out there? Any of you uh, in the U.S. Virgin Islands who uh, have any knowledge of this apparent eruption or imminent eruption, I'm not sure, of a volcano, I've got this now from two separate sources. I really would like to know about it. So... If you're in the U.S. Virgin Islands, it is the first-time caller line that I will hold open for you when we begin to take calls at area code 702-727-1222. Let me give it again. From the U.S. Virgin Islands, anybody with any info on this volcano, area code 702 and I'll be asking everybody else to hold off until we get our info. Now, 
germ warfare. Uh, nobody, well, I guess we now do, know how very close we came to um, all-out warfare. Terrible warfare. It was disclosed today in Jordan that Saddam Hussein had biological, and get this, chemical weapons loaded in weapons ready to use in the Gulf War, both in short-range and long-range weapons capable of hitting Israel. Ralph Vacaeus, the UN's guy who's in charge of trying to get rid of all those weapons, confirmed everybody's worst fears, and we had them at the time of that war. As I said, both short- and long-range weapons loaded to the gills with up to 13 gallons of anthrax, 13,000 gallons of anthrax, which will shut down your respiratory system. Botulism, 130,000 gallons, the world's deadliest poison. It attacks the central nervous system and basically shuts down your heart and your lungs and you. Now, the big question was, he had it all loaded, ready to go. So why didn't he use it? Well, the answer is because George Bush said, if you do, we will respond with nuclear weapons. And, of course, he meant it. So what does this mean? It means even Saddam Hussein was not completely insane, that he was not completely suicidal that he knew exactly what would occur if he used those weapons against U.S. troops uh, fighting uh, wherever they were in Kuwait, if he used it against the Saudis or the Israelis, so he didn't do it. Moral of the story, uh, deterrent works. But then you've got to wonder about next time. Well, what do you mean next time? Senator Luger is holding hearings now, this week, on all of the Russian, apparent Russian sales of high-grade nuclear bomb-grade materials. Weapons-grade, they call it. Says, one day we may see square miles of American cities vaporized. And it kind of set me to thinking. You know, as we grew up, many of us, my age, we all feared the big one, the big nuclear exchange. Remember duck and cover under the desk? Cover the back of your neck. This will help you survive a nuclear uh, war. Well, I wonder what our children will face. And it seems to me, with proliferation the way it is, they're going to face, in effect, a far greater danger than we did. Possibly not the extinction of the whole human race on the planet, as there would have been with the big one, but a lot of small ones. Imagine the terror, not knowing what city would go up next. Imagine the terror we just had with um, Oklahoma City. What if that had been a nuclear device? Impossible? Not at all. According to most of those in the know, in fact, eventually, probable.
Here's some exciting news for Coast to Coast fans. If you're already a Streamlink member, you know what a super value our subscriber service is. For around 15 cents a day, you get such great features as podcasts. That's automatic downloads of Coast to Coast shows directly onto your computer desktop or MP3 player. But now, we've greatly expanded our full show library, so you have access to multi-year downloads. Imagine having hundreds of your favorite coast-to-coast shows right at your fingertips to listen to, collect, and take on the go with you. As a Streamlink member, you also get access to a whole library of Art Bell Classics Somewhere in Time shows, available as streamed broadcasts. Plus, our fun live chat sessions, held twice a month. There's never been a better time to join Streamlink. Visit coasttocoastam.com today to sign up on our secure servers. Here's what you missed on Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. Hey, you were recently on talking about the men in black, and we're not talking about Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. We're talking about serious men in black, aren't we? What are they up to? Basically, their sole job is to limit public knowledge, and I guess if you meet them... You must know something too much. Do they scare people? Oh, absolutely. Some people are wondering what in the world is going on and who are these guys. Now we take you back to the night of August 23rd, 1995, on Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. O.J., one of the more interesting days in the trial, uh, one of the world's very respected, foremost forensic scientists hit very hard the prosecution's single killer theory. Using blood spatter evidence, oh, he was very, uh, he threw it around and uh, showed everybody how it ought to spatter, said that, in fact, he believes he's identified shoe prints from a second killer. Either that or O.J. wore two pairs of shoes while he did the killing. Said, do you, have you ever heard of that before? He said, no. So, this would seem to be pretty serious evidence. In other words, they do not match the shoes. The prosecution says O.J. wore the night of the murders. Not his. If not his, then whose? It means the possibility of a second killer. Add to that the latest fallout. We're going to hear it all by the time they finally get into court from the Furman tapes. The New York Times reported, NBC confirmed, um, talk of something called kill parties, where police get together after uh, a suspect has been killed and party. Furman said, allegedly, quote, it's like the end of a football game where you just won the championship and you're on a real high. You're dominant. You're powerful. You're unbeatable. End quote. Now, uh, Detective Furman has a new attorney, this time a criminal lawyer, who may have to defend him against charges of perjury. And Furman's new criminal lawyer said, well, if they call him back to the stand, it may be Detective Furman will choose to take the fifth. 
And uh, that should be interesting. In a letter sent to possible donors, Detective Furman said the following, quote, I am the latest victim of a new and deliberate strategy used by lawyers to defend their clients. That would be ignore the crime, ignore the evidence, just attack and destroy the cops involved. Falsely charge that they're brutal, evil, or in any case capable of framing an innocent citizen for murder for racist reasons, end quote. And with that, he is trying to raise some money for his possible defense. And I guess my only question would be, if you were on the jury, and Detective Furman was called back into court. Now remember, now remember, if you're on the jury, presumably you don't know anything about these tapes. You don't have the slightest idea. If you were on the jury, the last thing that's in your mind is that Detective Furman was a very good witness. That F. Lee Bailey um, didn't manage to pull a thing from him. And that that uh, very uh, passionate cross-examination was basically useless. And Furman was a tough, rough, tough uh, Sockham witness and uh, had his act together. So, if that same, if you're on the jury and the same guy, same detective, Mr. I've Got It Together, comes back to the stand and begins to take the Fifth Amendment and refuses to answer questions, if you're on that jury, what do you think? What do you think that would do to the prosecution's case? Big trouble, I suspect. More trial news. The Menendez brothers um, go back on trial soon. Jury selection has begun for a second trial. It will take several weeks just to get a jury. First trials, you'll recall, ended up with dual or two hung juries. I wonder if it's come to the point in America where the old saying has become now literal, that you can get away with murder. You can get away with murder. Congressman Mel Reynolds going to jail for a lesser crime. Sentencing date, September 12th. Convicted on 12 counts of sexual misconduct involving a 16-year-old campaign worker. He'll get a minimum mandatory four years and could probably get as much as 80 if they really went after him. Larry Hagman, the actor, Diagnosed about three years ago with cirrhosis of the liver after admitting to years of heavy drinking, uh, has received a new liver today. They had found a cancerous tumor on his liver last month. So, here we are, here we are once again. Mickey Mantle, um, of course, you know about that very tragic story. And now Larry Hagman. And I guess all I would ask is this, and I'm not going to begrudge anybody a liver, save their life, Hagman or Mantle or anybody else. But why is, uh, is not this evidence, along with what happened to Mantle, and so many others, 
why does this evidence, this health problem, not deserve the same kind of legislative attention as cigarettes do from our president? I'd like to know about that. I wonder if any of you uh, have any thoughts on that. Kind of an interesting piece from uh, Unsolved Mysteries last night. I think it was a repeat, but um, it was really interesting. And it is kind of a religious... Uh, I, I, I think it's a religious topic. I'm not sure. It has to do with spontaneous remission. Now, a lot of people out there would say, well, of course there's spontaneous remission. I mean, occasionally things cure themselves up in your body. However... They documented with um, evidence, mammogram evidence, that a woman who went in like on a Friday and had a mammogram, um, there was clear, undisputable evidence of lumps, you know, of cancerous, uh, possibly uh, cancerous lumps. So she was due to go get another mammogram and uh, possibly a mastectomy or whatever other treatment was due. And she went home and prayed, prayed. And she said that there was an answer, a soft, gentle voice that answered her, told her it would be okay. She went back to the doctor's office Monday morning. They did another mammogram, and there was not even a hint of a lump. Nothing. Gone. And Unsolved Mysteries then um, referred to a double-blind... You know, when you're trying to prove something, you do something called a double-blind study. Uh, and you've got uh, two groups that you're looking at. And they documented that the people... I, I know this may sound wild to some of you, and not be a surprise to others, but people who were uh, who had very serious uh, life-threatening illnesses in group one prayed and had people pray for them. In the other group, there were no prayers. And I forget the numbers, but it was very, very significant. Uh, the power of prayer is what I'm asking you about. Now, you know me. Mister, I've got to be shown or have it proven to me. And while I thought all of this was very interesting, and these are just examples, I uh, wonder in my own mind whether the power of prayer is answered from an external source, God, our Maker, whoever, or whether the power of prayer is strongly felt within the person doing the praying. Uh, so strongly felt that they manage to actually, with the power of their own mind, and, I, and look, I do, you've got to understand, I do not rule out this possibility. With the power of their own mind, cure themselves. And therein lies an interesting uh, discussion, I suppose. 
And I'm not sure what the answer is, but I do believe the story. And I just gave you a couple. They are legion. People claiming the power of prayer cures them. And um, certainly, lumps shown in a... Then they showed them on TV, in a mammogram, done Friday, gone Monday. That's just not a normal, slow, but sure remission. That's kind of off into the category of uh, magic, miracle. You know, you use the word you want to use. Uh, but it certainly is something that is occurring beyond our understanding. Wouldn't you say? All right, we're going to break here at the bottom of the hour. Strap in. I have no idea what's coming next. I only know that it's on the way. We'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from August 23rd, 1995. Hi, everybody. Well, I've changed my mind. That's my prerogative. I'm going to do the uh, U.S. Virgin Island thing at the top of the hour. Uh, that is the top of this coming hour. And uh, tell you what we'll do. If it turns out this volcano is erupting or predicted to be about erupting, and I, I have now two separate sources saying it is so, um, I may play, replay the uh, Gordon Michael Scallion most recent interview uh, that lasts about 20 minutes that I had with him that I think you'll find absolutely startling. And uh, it concerns a recent uh, group of earthquakes, and the people in L.A. have never heard uh, this, many of them. And so uh, now that I've thought about it, I think that what I will do is going into the news at uh, the top of the hour, try to get a call from the U.S. Virgin Islands. And we will uh, do that uh, coming out of the top of the hour and then uh, play that interview, perhaps in its entirety. There's been just too much going on that has been uh, confirmatory uh, with regard to the, um, uh, the predictions made by Mr. Scallion. And a fax just came in, Art. Please don't perpetuate the celebrity favoritism fallacy concerning organ transplants. 
No matter where one is on the list, if the organ type match does not fit, that one has got to wait no matter how much money or notoriety the recipient has. Well, that's from David in uh, South Carolina. David, I wasn't doing that. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you were listening, David, what I said was, with the news of these, and now obviously when they're celebrities, they're, they're news. So, with the news of the organ transplants, and in both cases, cirrhosis involved, meaning a lot of drinking, admitted by both people in these cases. My question was, why is it not being treated legislatively, the liquor industry, as the uh, tobacco industry is being treated? Now, that was my angle. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Good morning. Oh, boy, that was quick. Well, good. This is Owen from Princeton, Minnesota, and I... Uh First of all, I want to thank you for the Cusco CDs that I won. They arrived on Monday. Oh, they arrived on Monday, and aren't they great? Yeah, they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I'm calling, not regarding anything tonight, if that's okay. I was just calling to talk about uh, the bridge jumping in Detroit. Late so, news on that is the police chief in Detroit says, well, the reports of the cheering and chanting were exaggerated. He said He didn't say it did not occur. He said, Exaggerated. Well, I kind of want to relate that to uh, Noah's Ark and really your your mini calls the last couple of nights on the aliens visiting us and inserting some sort of DNA and relate. Yeah, you know, all this really is out ahead of the big release on the twenty eighth uh, of the Roswell film. Yeah. Well, anyway, this, uh, this may sound kind of harsh, but for the bridge jumping. Um, it seems to me that that's the perfect example of natural selection. Um, really? How do, you, how do you feel about that? Do you think I'm being a little harsh there? Yes. In well, other words, a natural selection argument might be made if she had said, you know, hey, the world sucks, I'm out of here and jumped. Well, but um, when, 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 when you're pushed, wait a minute, sir, when you're okay. pushed or when it's murder, then I wouldn't attribute it to na natural selection. Well... Well, anyway, I want to relate that to Noah's Ark um, by saying that we have two, or even three if you count the alien, three theories about how the human race got on the Earth, right? Mm, okay. Now, we have significant evidence towards two of them, one being uh, Darwinism and the other being uh, a creator. You with me so far? Now, what happens... Yes, this is not hard stuff so far, sir. Okay. Now, what happens when we have significant evidence towards both if we find the ark? Um, I don't know. Are we going to teach both? Or we're going to have to figure out which one's which and uh, which one we should teach in our schools. Cause, um, well, I would say if the ark is found up on Ararat and it's really what we think it is, and the scientists say there's about 100,001 that it is not some sort of freak of nature, um, then, yeah, I, w I would say there's going to be a big argument, uh, a very large argument, indeed, about what to teach in schools. I, you know, that was a good call, sir. I, I appreciate your having made it. <laughs> yes. I mean, if the, uh, the ark, come on now, if the ark is found, uh, it's going to change a lot of things for a lot of people, let's face it. 
lot of people are going to do it. Well, it's, it's probably going to send the Bible right up to the top of the bestseller list, uh, I would say, very quickly, wouldn't you? It is uh, one of the more difficult-to-believe parts of the Bible for a lot of people. You know that the world flooded and Noah had him come on the ship two by two and all the rest of it, but uh, my God, what if it's true? What if it's true? Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Calling from Anchorage. Yes, sir. I was wanted to ask you a question um, about, uh, you use the term free radicals. What do you mean by that? Free radicals um, are agents, toxins, um, poisons to you as a human being that come into your body uh, through just about everything that you take into your body, the air you breathe, uh, water, food, uh, toxins generally in the environment. Let me, let me ask you, what is, what is some of the most powerful uh, free radicals? Or maybe even the most powerful free radical? The most powerful free radical. What do you think, sir? I know. It's uh, fluoride. Oh, God, not again. Oh, it is. It oh, is. not again. My part. You burden you, you burden me with this, sir. That's Flor look, fluoride, fluoride, if taken in gigantic doses, is poisonous. Uh, there, there is every bit of evidence that, given in the kinds of doses that they say will prevent tooth decay, is not poisonous. Well, fluoride causes tooth decay, and it also causes tooth loss. Uh, all right, thanks. See you later. No, I, I really, I don't want to go through that again. Now fluoride, he says, causes tooth decay, tooth loss, and is the dentist's best friend, no doubt, right? Well, every scientific study I've ever seen on fluoride um, shows that it does, in fact, prevent tooth decay. And I know of no study that shows that it is poisoning us through our precious bodily fluids or whatever. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. How you doing? I'm doing. Cameron, St. Louis. Um, you were um, talking about, like, healing power for the lady with the tumor. Um, see, this is my belief, that all power used for, well, let's say all power, all power used for good comes from God. All power used for bad purposes comes from the devil, because the devil can give you power. And that, you know, God, Ma a lot, what? Where do you think Gordon Michael Scallion's power comes from? Gordon Michael Scallion, um, mm -hmm. only Gordon knows that one. Mm. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about Gordon's abilities. But I do know that God allows us to take our next breath. He, it's, it's in his hands, whether we live or die, in, in fact, well, that was the question, you see, whether really it's in God's hands every breath we take or whether, in some sense, it's in our own hands. Uh, you, or you could mix the two and say, well, God is within. In other words, I believe, and I do believe this, as you know, we use a very small portion of our brain. We understand very, very little about our brain. It is a wondrous organism that makes the most powerful computer on earth look like a piece of um, junk, like a rock. Uh, the brain's complexity and ability to uh, 
a process information is staggering scientifically. So it makes sense to me, uh, just all the sense in the world, that our brain, the most wonderful computer ever conceived, still not understood, can do things that we are not fully aware of. What, what do we use, 10%, 15%, at best 10% is what I think I've heard of our brain. Well, what is that other 90% there for? Is it something we once used? Are we, are we using less? Are we beginning slowly uh, uh, to use more? You know, I don't, that's a very curious question, actually. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi, Art. Hello. Uh, my name is Marsha, and I'm calling from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Excellent, Marsha. And I'm telling you, I really enjoy your program a lot. Thank you. I wanted to make a comment about the comment that you made tonight about nuclear war. Yes. That we escaped nuclear war. I don't think a lot of us escaped nuclear war, and I'll tell you why. Not psychologically. No. Not psychologically, but the United States was testing the atomic bomb before they dropped it on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Correct. And a lot of women born in 1945 have had very serious problems conceiving children. I'm one of those women. I had endometriosis. And I had to have a hysterectomy when I was 27 years old, a total hysterectomy mm. from this terrible disease. Now, how do, you, how do you relate it to the atomic test? I was, my mother was pregnant with me. Yes. When they were testing this and when the bombs went off in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yes. And where was, where, where, in, where was your mother? My mother was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee. Uh -huh. But if you recall... When they tested an atomic bomb in China, we were told that a nuclear cloud could come over the United States and that we would be exposed to radiation. It was above ground. I, I recall, yes. 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 Mm -hmm. And I was seriously wondering how many other women in the country were affected during these years in 1945. Well, it's hard to know. Uh, actually, thank you. That was the year of my birth, 1945. Thank you very much. Um, and I, boy, I'll tell you, that's a bit of a reach. Uh, there was atomic testing. Arguably, there was, there were higher levels of radioactivity in the atmosphere. And some of them, no doubt, reached Earth. But how on Earth you would, uh, uh, you would conclude that, um, this affected you or your mom, I'm, I'm not sure, and I'm not sure how you would ever, ever make such a connection. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. This is Andy. I'm a first-time caller from Boise. Well, good, Andy. Glad to have you. Yeah, I was wanted to call talk a little bit about Roswell. Uh, I uh, have a friend who showed me those uh, pictures of your Dreamland report at yes. your last newsletter here, and I... He also has the book, The Truth About, uh, uh, what was it, Truth About Roswell. Well, how did, Roswell. yes, right. How and did, uh, how did the pictures impact you? I, I looked at them and, and it just kinda, it was weird. It was really weird. And then I looked at the sketches that are in the book and looked at the pictures too and that was, that set my hair up on end. That was really bizarre the way those two, cause it was like they were 
like somebody maybe had seen them or something. Mm-hmm. It just whoa that 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 can't be it. That can't be for real, but there it is. I'm very much looking forward to the American public's uh, reaction when everybody gets finally to see them. I am, too. I'm really looking forward to that. I've got the VCR going to be setting it up, and I'm going to check this out. That looks really great. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, I just wanted to call and mention that because that really struck me big. You said before those were going to be good pictures, and they were. Yes, they were. Yeah. They are, right. And uh, I wouldn't kid you. When we put something in the newsletter and it's hot, uh, it's hot. And the next one is going to be two. Thank you. And while I'm on the subject, uh, the next newsletter, folks, is going to have a picture of the comet we have so frequently talked of lately. And it is a very, very impressive photograph. Believe me, very impressive. Uh, so if you want to get the next issue uh, before it's too late to do it, and by the way, there is a coming price hike in our newsletter, so you'll be avoiding that as well, by subscribing now. It's called the Art Bell After Dark Newsletter, and we cram it full of all kinds of goodies. Whatever happens to be going on, cutting edge, we keep it in there, and we will continue to do that month after month after month. Bigfoot, Thunderbirds, the Loch Ness Monster, what other cryptozoological creatures are lurking out there? Find out in that November issue of the After Dark magazine. It's the four-color monthly magazine that's all about everything you love about Coast to Coast AM. And this month, read about not only Bigfoot, but crystal skulls. New studies on why acupuncture really works. Lots of coincidences surrounding U.S. presidents throughout history as well as my editorial about synchronicity and how to use them in your favor. It's all in the November issue of After Dark. Call now to subscribe and don't forget that After Dark makes a great Christmas gift for your favorite Coast to Coast AM fan. It's your insider info about Coast to Coast AM. Next month, look for photos from Ed Grimsley's night vision goggles. Sign up for After Dark by calling one 727 5505 That's 1-888-727-5505 or online. Coast2CoastAM.com. Now we take you back to the night of August 23rd, 1995, on Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Okay, west of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi, this is Gary, Vancouver, Washington. Yes, Gary. Uh, you were talking about the, um, whether it's mind over matter or if it's God answering prayers or something. Yes. I got one paragraph I could read you out of a book for the AA book. You remember who Dr. Jung was? I don't know if I pronounced that right. Worked with Freud and stuff? No. No, uh, it's J-U-N-G. Well, you remember who Freud was? Of course. Well, he worked with Freud for a while. Um, but this is the patient talking to him, and it's kind of the same thing you were talking about if it's power of prayer or if it's mind over matter or what, but uh, he's asking, you know, he's asking asking the doctor, you know, and the doctor's telling him that you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I've never seen one single case recover where the state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. Our friend felt though as though the gates of hell had closed on him with a clank, and he said to the doctor, is there no exception? Yes, replied the doctor, there is. 
exceptions to such cases as yours have been occurring since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, ideas. And all right, in other words, a spontaneous remission. Yeah, well, that's basically what the AA is all about, is getting into the spiritual part of things and, and, and the prayer and meditation and stuff and having a spiritual experience, and that's where the people get to where they can stay sober when nothing else ever worked before. Well, I, I, look, I don't argue a bit with that. My question remains, though, uh, whether you think it is an external God force answering prayer or whether it is the power of all these brains. Personally, I feel it's a, it's, a, it's a thing with God myself, but, you know, the bottom line is if it works, you know, what does it matter? Well, you're absolutely correct. I mean, uh, there's no arguing with that. If it works, who cares? And I told you they did a double-blind um, study on this that is, uh, that is quite remarkable. And um, it, it appeared to show that prayer works, that uh, the people who pray or, get this, who are prayed for have a much, much higher recovery rate than those who do not. Now that, when you think about it, it's pretty remarkable, I would say. Wouldn't you? Pretty remarkable. All right, I'll tell you what I would like to do now. During this coming newscast at the top of the hour, I would like to solicit uh, some calls from the U.S. Virgin Islands. We're uh, heard in the U.S. Virgin Islands, thankfully. And we now have two reports. One, a newspaper report, and the second, a uh, hurried call I got before the program tonight about uh, a Caribbean island, uh, about an eruption of a volcano in the Caribbean. So, what I would ask you to do in the U.S. Virgin Islands is to begin to ring my first-time caller line and just keep dialing until you get through. Dial like mad. And if you have any information at all about what's going on out there in the Caribbean, uh, I may be moved to replay the latest Gordon Michael Scallion interview because it is so relevant to recent uh, Earth movement and, uh, of course, relevant uh, with regard to what he had to say about the uh, uh, any possible volcanic action in the Caribbean. So some of this is beginning to hit pretty close to home. That is, this living organism we tromp about on. Well, there's another argument, huh? <laughs> we'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from August 23rd, 1995.
presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired August 23rd, 1995. And uh, we've got a lot of information coming in right now about uh, uh, Earth activity. I, I, got, uh, I got a call uh, just prior to the show about uh, a possible eruption in the Caribbean. Montserrat, I believe it is. And uh, I thought I would invite my listeners in the Caribbean in the U.S. Virgin Islands to try and get through. So I'm going to hold a line open now for the U.S. Virgin Islands only. Only. Let's see if we can do that. Everybody else hold off. Let's see if we can hear from the Caribbean. The U.S. Virgin Islands only. Asking about uh, possible volcanic uh, activity. Not in the Virgins, but in the Caribbean. And I would imagine there'd be a lot of news of it there. This month in the After Dark magazine, read about not only Bigfoot, but crystal skulls. New studies on why acupuncture really works, coincidences surrounding U.S. presidents, as well as my editorial about coincidences and synchronicity. Call now to subscribe. And don't forget that After Dark makes a great Christmas gift. Call 1-888-727-5505. That's 1-888-727-5505 or online at coasttocoastam.com. Here's some exciting news for Coast to Coast fans. If you've already been a Streamlink member, you know what a super value our subscriber service is. For around 15 cents a day, you get such great features as podcasts, that's automatic downloads of Coast to Coast shows, directly onto your computer desktop or MP3 player. And by now, we've greatly expanded our full show library, so you have access to multi-year downloads. Imagine having hundreds of your favorite Coast to Coast shows at your fingertips to listen to, collect, and take on the go with you. You'll also get access to a whole library of Art Bell classics, somewhere in time shows, available as stream broadcasts, plus our fun live chat sessions, and we hold those twice a month. There's never been a better time to join Streamlink. You can visit coasttocoastam.com today to sign up on our secure servers. That's Streamlink. Simply visit coasttocoastam.com. You never know what you'll hear on Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. I'm concerned about the divide that's happening in this country right now. It's almost as if you cannot talk publicly about how you feel about an issue without getting stampeded by someone who doesn't agree with you. And you know what? That's dangerous in this country. The luxury of the United States has been our ability to be able to talk and explain and to take positions without being attacked and ridiculed. And uh, I've never seen it worse than it is today. And it's got to change because, you know, it's going to take us down the wrong path. I just want the truth. I want us to be able to go after an issue, whether it's the swine flu or health insurance. I just want the truth. And then from that point, we as Americans can make up our own minds. Now we take you back to the night of August 23rd, 1995, on Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. All right, I guess ask and ye shall receive on our first-time caller line, um, actually our Virgin Islands line. <laughs> You're on the air. How you doing? Hi, I'm okay. Where are you? Uh, turn your radio off. Okay. 
That's okay. number one. Where are you? I'm in St. Thomas, Virgin Islands. St. Thomas. Uh-huh. All right. Well, we're hearing uh, a lot of interesting things right now about Maserat. Right. And uh, what, what are they reporting back there? Well, so far, um, Montserrat is a volcanic um, island, and lately they've been having disturbances, and they are moving, they're getting ready, they are at hand and ready if anything. I think there's an 80% chance. An 80% chance there's of? An 80% chance. That was the last I heard today at the 5 o'clock news here at St. Thomas. And they were ready at hand to evacuate, um, you know, as necessary. All uh, the people that live there, I think Montserrat population is about 10,500. And they're getting assistance from the other neighboring Caribbean islands, Antigua, St. Kitts, Nevis. And everybody's at hand, ready and willing to help. Well, tell me so, something. Um, tell me something. Have you been following the predictions made by Scallion? Have you heard any of those on my program? Not, 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 not really. I haven't really been following up, but the last I did hear on our local news station here in WSDA Radio, which you are aired yes. every night, <laughs> yes. um, that there is an 80% chance. An 80% chance of an eruption. Yeah. And I know there's also been some um, apparent um, earthquake activity recently um, on on some other uh, very important islands there in the Caribbean. So uh, do you folks have the feeling that something's getting ready to pop? Well, um, right now, throughout the whole Caribbean, you mean? Well, no, not necessarily does, throughout does, the whole Caribbean, does, no. Those particular islands that do um, have volcanic action? Vesuvius, for example. Yeah. Um, you earth- know... Um, I don't, I can't, I can't even answer that because I'm not sure what's going on, you know, nature-wise, you know, I can't predict what's going on, really. Well, listen, you're a total darling for calling us and uh, filling us in. Right. Thank you very much, and uh, so there you've got it from the Caribbean. And I just got this, scientists from the University of West Indies, Guadalupe, UK, and the U.S. Geological Survey now estimate, here it is, an 80% chance of a possible major eruption. Evacuees, including those from the capital, remain in northern parts of the island. Government offices have also now been moved to the same parts. So, there you have it. And here you've got, I want you to hear this. We may have to, we're going to have to break it up uh, possibly in two parts. But this is a recent interview that I did with Gordon Michael, uh, Gordon Michael Scallion. I want you to hear it. Where are you? Where are you, Gordon? Hello, Gordon? Yes. Okay, Gordon Michael Scallion, good morning. Good morning. Gordon, um, I've been getting a raft of faxes. Uh, the audience is tremendously concerned. Uh, I just got a, uh, a fax from the Matrix Institute. Sum it up. What's going on? The... Uh, third event in my predicted four-quake scenario uh, just occurred in South America, in Chile. Uh, the scenario states that there would be four quakes that would start the scenario in May or June. And it would start it with a, a quake that would be greater than seven. Each of the quakes in the scenario will be seven. The average will probably be 7.5 when it's all done 
the first quake uh, occurred in a Russian island north of the island of Japan that borders on the Sea of Japan. That was the uh, the first event uh, that occurred, and uh, that occurred on May 27th, and it was a magnitude 7.6. The scenario (coughs) predicted was that within weeks rather than months, the second event in the four-quake scenario um, would occur, and, and that would take it down somewhere in the in the South Pacific region uh, on July 3rd at 1950 UTC time, a magnitude 7.1 occurred uh, in the uh, <coughs> in New Zealand or off the, off New Zealand in one of the islands. Right. Um, the next event predicted to occur would be a quake again greater than seven that would occur within weeks rather than months in South America. And earlier I had uh, posted warnings for the areas around uh, Chile. And, uh, and of course, uh, on Sunday, uh, a quake in the magnitude is still being updated, but it exceeds eight on the magnitude scale. Oh, it does. I had heard 7.8. It's up over 8 now. It, it changes, and it may change again. It's, uh, uh, the latest uh, report that I had was it's been upgraded to a, uh, an 8.1, and so much of it depends upon what scales they're using uh, to record these quakes. And uh, at, our, at Matrix Institute, and through the Earth Changes Report, we use the magnitude scale to keep everything consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, now... The prediction goes on to say that within weeks, again, rather than months, and what that means is that uh, up to seven weeks is within weeks. Once we hit eight weeks, we're really talking about two months. So I, I have uh, uh, my understanding of my prediction is that it would be, again, within weeks up to, up to eight. Uh, there would be a quake, again, greater than seven, and that would occur somewhere in the west coast of America. Now, it may be a single quake or it may be multiple quakes. The um, the epicenter of that quake uh, under this particular scenario is unknown. Uh, I do have a, a long-term running prediction for the West Coast, which has not occurred yet. The, the prediction was that there would be three quakes in the Los Angeles area. Now, uh, we have had three quakes in the general vicinity, uh, each fulfilling the magnitude and, and that I had predicted. However, the, the, the large quake that I've seen is in uh, Southern California, Palm in Springs. Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. And um, that does, this scenario does not necessarily mean it will be there. So that, that, that's one. There, I have different predictions running around similar events. What I try to do is to provide early warning signs, and this four-quake scenario is, is just that. It's an early warning sign. So from now until the next uh, seven or eight weeks, I would say we, we are into a time period where quake activity uh, in the West Coast, which means anywhere from, from Vancouver, uh, B.C., all the way down into the Baja, so the entire West Coast, I would say, in, in my scenario, um, is on alert. And, I, and uh, especially with all this heat we've had, uh, my, my observations and my visions have indicated that when we have a lot of heat, we tend to have a larger release of quakes. Well, we have a lot of heat, not just in the West Coast, on the West Coast, but all over the country right now. If this cycle completes with a quake on the West Coast, what does that bode for the 
next year, say? If, if, this, uh, if this next quake occurs and, and, and it does fire off and hit, uh, and again, the, the statistics of all four of these events happening on magnitude, time frame, and epicenter is, is staggering. Uh, so I don't, I don't claim to always get them. The first scenario, of course, as you know, we did predict all four of them. It doesn't mean this one will go all the way. So I want to caution on that. I, I have not seen a, a vision that says it's assured that this West Coast will occur. It's just a warning sign. Uh, if it does occur, what it, uh, what it indicates, uh, based on uh, 14 years of predictions about the West Coast, is that we have entered that time frame of unprecedented release of quakes, and that in 96 and 97, uh, we will literally fracture California. So we have to watch this carefully. Now, if, if, uh, if uh, we have a blessing and nothing happens in the West Coast, then the next cycle begins itself in December. So each time the cycle runs, the quakes get bigger and, uh, and, and the release of energy becomes stronger. So we have another, another window, uh, the third window, which would be December and then January. All right, so there it is. Um, I guess, how do you feel about this? When you see what you have predicted begin to come true, it must stand the hair on the back of your neck up, too. Usually what happens is that when, when there's a large quake that I predicted, or in, in the case of the hurricanes, which I, I, I have predicted there, that are maybe unfolding right now, um, is that I'm usually away. In this case, uh, uh, we were so exhausted, physically and mentally exhausted, we took a couple of days to go to up to the Cape area. And, uh, and I was away. I just arrived, in fact. And when I did, uh, they immediately tracked me down, my staff, and said... Uh, your third event just happened, and it was like someone had punched me right in the stomach. I thought so. And I just turned to uh, to my wife Cynthia, and I said, "I said we've got to we've got to cut this short and get back." I said, um, "I've got to see what else you know what else we can do here. At least we can do is to clarify what was said." And so we immediately came back and and notified um, uh, through various internet accessors and media services, at least clarifying. I don't have any further. Uh, visions or information, and um, and, I, and I've already been told through my visions that that I won't. That from this point forward, it's the unfoldment whereby in the in the in the late 70s and the 80s, there was always the possibility that some of these things could change uh, based on on a lot of things, mostly how we lived our lives. And uh, and as of uh, March of this year, my the visions. Of, and the guidance has been that they now start to unfold. So 95, 96 are going to be uh, significant years. I mean, we one of the things we were told to watch for is watch for temperatures to exceed 125 degrees. Uh, and in August, we're going to have uh, more more of that kind of, of temperature, really high stuff. And it said that that would those are all preludes to uh, to a larger release of energy. All right, an addendum. Uh, what's going on near Martinique? Something, uh, some sort of volcanic activity? Uh, yes, I wanted everybody to know that. Um, perhaps the, the greatest uh, uh, seer of all times, in, in our times, modern times, was, was Edgar Casey. And one of his predictions was that he talked about the uh, uh, Pele, which is a, a volcano that is not active, but had been uh, at the turn of the century, on the island of Martinique. Um, and he said the watch for that becoming active. Um, I've had visions that talked about Vesuvius, Etna, 
and a series of islands around Martinique, all being connected uh, underneath the ground with uh, lava vents. In other words, uh, the lava flows and the tunnels connect these things together. And my visions have said that if, uh, if any of these become active in the circle, that we have to watch out. And that, indeed, if uh, we get two of them active, two different points, such as Etna and Pele or Vesuvius and Pele or Vesuvius and Etna, uh, that it was a prelude to... Uh, massive earth changes that would occur. And uh, we have just uh, been notified, uh, we've been watching it carefully, but the islands, the island north and south of Martinique, and they're, they're very small islands, both these islands on either side have volcanically come to bear. In other words, the volcanoes that were dormant no longer are dormant. They're, they're both active, which would indicate to me that the, the whole structure, the magma structure under these islands is all active um, and that Pele uh, needs to be watched very, very carefully. Um, my visions have indicated that when Pele or, or Vesuvius, either one, becomes active, then, then literally within days we start to see major earth movements. Now, so far we have no activity on Vesuvius and we have nothing on Pele, but the islands north and south of them are active, uh, extremely so. And uh, and we've also having all kinds of other phenomena in the world that's going on now. Uh, 85% of Alaska is literally melting, and we have we have temperatures in the Pacific that have just risen so high, um, and they don't know why my long-running scenario has been that that would happen, and it's due to undersea volcanism. So what we're seeing now is, is in key points of the world, is there's great magma movement, force itself to the surface, and that that in turn will, will trigger and release quakes. So we can watch these things very carefully, and if they start to unfold, then we have a, a form of an early warning sign, just like with the, the hurricane now off of Florida. We can, we, can, we can do things. We can get bottled water. We can watch it. Uh, we, can, we can at least be prepared uh, on a mental and a, and a spiritual level. At the physical level, we're going to have to make individual decisions on what to do about where we are. Gordon, uh, I know you've got the national press descending on you right now, and you've got to go. I appreciate the update. Let's stay very close. Okay. All right? My best to everyone. Take care. Okay, blessings. Bye. Gordon Michael Scallion, and uh, there you've got it. Now, going again uh, to the Caribbean, I believe, uh, you're on the air. Good morning. Where are you calling from, please? Good morning. All right, turn your radio off, sir. Okay. Uh, good morning. Yes, good I'm morning. I'm calling from St. Thomas. Yes. Yes, they started, they say yesterday that the capital is Playman. They have to move people from Playman and in the area of Playman, and they was going to close the radio station and try to get move it to other location to open it. And also my theory with what a man say about the weather, I believe that they weather have a lot to do with the volcano acting up because it, these past couple of months have really been hot, hot, hot weather. Hot, yes. Yes, so I, my theory is that if he, it here rained, also. if it rained like how we have three, three storms right now in the, in the water, I think if enough rain comes, it cool it down and the volcanic won't erupt again. All right, thank you very, very much for the call. Uh, there's the U.S. Virgin Islands again. So, 
that's what's going on, and it seemed to me that uh, what Mr. Scallion had to say was particularly relevant. Accept it or reject it as you will, that's up to uh, uh, all of you. That is the latest news. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from August 23rd, 1995. of Coast to Coast AM from August 23rd, 1995. Good morning, everybody. We will now open all lines uh, to everybody as normal. Uh, First-time callers to the program, no matter where you are. Anybody out there have any uh, psychic hairs standing up this morning? West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hello, Mr. Bell. Hello. Terry from Las Vegas. Yes, Terry. How are you doing? Fine. Well, I was compelled to call you. I, I was uh, wanting to talk a little bit about the uh, religious issue and the quickening. That All you right. Have. Uh, how are you managing to hear us? We're not on yet in Las Vegas. Pardon me? I, I was wondering how you're managing to hear us. We're not on yet in Las Vegas. Well, I borrowed this uh, radio from my friend that is uh, getting the signal. I don't know how he's getting it, but <laughs> we're getting it. Good. He, he was originally from uh, the Phoenix area. I see. Anyway, um, what I wanted to talk about was mainly uh, the other night when I was listening, uh, I was listening to that uh, liberal fellow from uh, California. Mm, oh yes, Charlie. Mm. Yes, and he mentioned the fact that uh, you know uh, uh, apparently he's really against religion or something. I don't know, but uh, he's A- avidly. Yeah. Pardon me. Avidly, I said. <laughs> and apparently, uh, he doesn't really uh, take any. Uh, Stock in the quickening, which I do. Um, I may not be calling it the quickening, but uh, calling it something similar to it, and you know, and what they refer to as the last days. Uh, one interesting uh, thing that a pastor of mine has brought to my attention. One thing, uh, real quick, is I'm an entertainer in Las Vegas, and uh, recently a uh, born again Christian. Uh-huh. And uh, my pastor has brought uh, to the fact that I have been uh, really studying the Book of Revelations. And uh, uh, the last days and the times and so on and so forth. 
And he brought this uh, one point towards me when I was asking him, well, what is the demise of the United States, you know, mentioning in here? And he says, you know, one thing is mentioned in the Bible about the United States or what we perceive to be the United States is the uh, the land across the seas uh, that represents the eagle, okay? Mm-hmm. And that is the only mention of the United States during the last days, which uh, is perceived by a lot of people that the United States isn't going to be around when all the turmoil really starts happening. Well, I, I appreciate your call, sir. I, I don't want it to be so, and uh, I don't want to see the demise of this country, and I imagine most of you don't either. Uh, the signs probably are not really good. The destination is not absolute, but the signs along the way here, along the road, are not uh, not very good presently, I would say that. On our first-time caller line, you're on the air. Uh, good morning, Art. Baker, San Diego, uh, listening on Kogo Country on the road here. I'll make it quick. Okay. Enjoy your show immensely. Thank you. Uh, just one quick question, and I'll, and I'll let you go. Have, I, I wonder how come you have trouble admitting you're wrong all the time. Well, give me an example. Um, not not anything in specific, but whenever somebody tries to call and call you on something, I you you you, ha- you can't admit you're wrong ever. I mean, you'll dig your way out of it any way possible. But other than that, I, I love your show. I just like to hear a little. Well, bit more. I, I appreciate the criticism, but I would imagine that you you should be able to come up with at least one example. A uh, couple of minutes ago, a guy called and said something about uh, the, the liver thing. And granted, you went back to the point what you were actually stating, but... I I, sir, but, sir, I was not wrong. My uh, presentation of that had absolutely nothing to do with the celebrity aspect of it. It had to do with, um, as I, I thought I stated I correctly the first time and then restated again, uh, simply whether um, alcohol should be treated as tobacco is treated legislatively. Uh, that's all I said. I agree. I agree with you there, and I, can't, it's, and I guess it would be wrong of me. I can't point specifically anything, but I've heard you sometimes, and it's like, you know, as much as I enjoy your show, I'd like to hear you admit, like, you know, you got me once in a while. You follow? Um, well, when, okay, um, again, I would, I would plead, do you have, I'm giving you time to think here. Give me another example. Um, since I'm on the mobile, I don't want to waste good air time. I'll just, I when see. I think of an example, I'll call you. All right, I'll look forward to that. Thank you. I don't mind admitting I'm wrong. I've been wrong lots of times. I've been on the air for, uh, you know, 11 years. And there have been a lot of times people have called and have said this or that, and I've said, you're out your mind. You're out your mind. And it turned out I was wrong, and I've said I'm, I'm wrong. Um, and so um, I don't mind the criticism. Uh, uh, come ahead. I've been wrong before. I try to admit it when it's obvious I'm wrong. Uh, or if I don't think I'm wrong, then I'm not going to admit it. I'm going to sit here and argue. You know, that's what I do. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, all right. This is Aaron from Elk Grove, California. Uh, hello, Aaron. Hey, great. Hey, uh, I just wanted to make a comment to you. I've been trying to get through for a while. Yes, sir. And uh, on your uh, newsletter, I'm just kind of curious uh, if it's at all conceivable to put in uh, Braille for the people. I mean, I'm sure the sightless people no, I don't literally think... get their hands on it. All right, I've already talked to the network about this, and I, I think, no, it is not conceivable to put it in Braille. But what we are going to do is to issue an audio tape version of the newsletter. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, there you go. In other words, we're in the broadcast business, so it would not be too difficult for us to do that. And I, I brought it up after a couple of people called, and the network said uh, they're willing to do it. So it's coming. 
There you go. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you. And I understand there are a lot of um, um, people out there who could use something like that, and it, it, it really is not too terribly difficult for us. Uh, we're in the broadcast business. We are in the tu- tape duplication business, so we're kind of all set up to do it, and uh, I think we'll be announcing that soon. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello? Goodbye. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Yes, Art Bell. This is Bob from Washington. Hi, Bob. Moses Lake. I'm listening to you on KBSN. You bet. Yeah, um, you were speaking earlier about spontaneous healing, regeneration, whatever that was. Yes. And you were asking if perhaps... No, Lisa, turn that down. You were asking if perhaps if it was... uh, God or something interior, not exterior. Well, I believe God made man, and he made man's mind. And God gave us the clues to how to use that mind. And he said if we had faith that we would be healed. Um, you know, I, I think I, I share your view precisely. Now, I didn't want to say it, but I'm saying it. It's kind of, it kind of goes together with my theory of uh, creation and evolution, and I believe that they go together. And I believe that, uh, as you pointed out, God, as our creator, created our mind. And we don't even begin to understand, or, you you know, maybe we could say we've scratched the surface of our understanding of the brain. Exactly. And and so the two easily go together. Right, and we cannot fully comprehend God either. And as the creator of our mind, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And... um, I had one more comment, but I'm nervous. I'm on radio, so I can't remember it. Do it but more frequently. You'll be less nervous. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care. You too. Uh, that's the way it works. Um, it, you know, you probably... Some people are not. They're just not nervous. First time they come on the radio. I'm nervous. I mean, if that helps you, a lot of times, I'm nervous. If I begin thinking about all the people out there, I get terribly nervous, and then everything goes to hell in a handbasket. So I don't. I just don't. I don't think about it. I block it out of my mind. And uh, you might try the very same thing, and you'll find that getting on the air a few times will cure it. You're listening to Ark Bell Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from August 23rd, 1995. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Dr. Democrat. Mm. Well, good morning, Art. Good morning. I want to talk about Scallion and Clinton. First Scallion. (laughs) All right. The reason this guy, let me explain why he... Who, who do you regard uh, as having the greater credibility? Uh, Clinton. <laughs> and I'll explain that. Uh, Scallion, the reason he has such uh, accuracy in his predictions yes. is very simple. Yes. He can't lose. He, he provides cover for every prediction he has. Now, let's take a look at the West Coast uh, prediction from Vancouver to Baja. Yes. He says in the next seven weeks... Uh, we're on alert. That would be more like the next five weeks or six. Right, right. But then he goes on and says, if it doesn't happen, then we're going to go into another cycle in December and January. And he said, though, uh, he did pin it down and say it will complete before the year 1995 is out. 
No, but he says we're in another window of opportunity, uh, clear through January, I believe. But anyhow, if you listen to his tapes, and I've been listening to this uh, Onion Head, and the thing of it is, uh, he always provides cover because when, when, it, when something goes wrong, it doesn't go against his record. But when something goes right, he says, see, I told you so. Now, Mr. Clinton, ever since Mr. Clinton came into office, everything that's supposed to be up is up. Everything that's supposed to be down is down. And I don't care what issue you go through. The deficit is down. It's supposed to be down. Uh, the uh, trade deficit is down. It's supposed to be down. Exports are up. They're supposed to be up. Uh, the standard of living, according to the latest prediction, is supposed to go up next year because inflation is supposed to come in at 3%, while the average increase in wages is supposed to be over 4%. So that means the standard of living is going to go up at least uh, 1% for most people. Wait, wait a minute now, Doc. Why don't you confine yourself to what is up rather than what might be predicted to be up? Uh, SAT scores are up on a national level. They're at the highest uh, uh, rate since, uh, I guess, two decades, according to the wire service. So uh, Clinton said he was the education uh, uh, president, and he promised that in 92, and that's one promise he has delivered. I mean, the results are right there. So uh, everything you talk about, show me, what's, uh, show me what's worse since Clinton came into office. I can't think of anything. And this guy deserves to be uh, reelected. And that's why he's ahead in every poll, Art. I don't care what poll. If you match him one-on-one -on -one against anybody, he wins. If you match a three-way race, a four-way race, there's only one scenario that he might lose, and that's if Jesse Jackson gets in the race. That's he right. He loses by one point to go at that, at that uh, factor. All right, thanks. Well, you know, about the last part, he really is correct. Like it or not, believe it or not, all of the latest polls show that uh, Bill Clinton will beat Bob Dole, substantially, I might add, in a head-on race. I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, Clinton will want Dole. Straight out, and by quite a bit. Now, of course, you know, what does a poll mean right now? And you don't know until you get into a campaign what really is going on. However, you should hear these polls as you would hear the rattle of a snake warning you that you're about to be bitten uh, and come down with the, uh, a severe illness that's going to last at least another four long, hard-to-bear years. <laughs> I do not underestimate Bill Clinton. I do not underestimate the capacity of the American people to again be taken in by somebody who will tell people exactly what they want to hear. In other words, I don't think Bill Clinton's going to be a pushover at all in the election. I don't think Bob Dole can beat Bill Clinton. I don't think any of the other candidates, uh, including Pat Buchanan, can beat Bill Clinton. I speak of presently announced candidates. I think that... Um, uh, Phil Graham was not so much strong in the Iowa poll as Bob Dole was weak. I'm frankly disenchanted uh, entirely with the presidential possibilities for a race at this point. And if you want to know the person I think that would give Clinton a run for his money, it's the Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Think what you will of him. The man is extremely intelligent, very fast on his feet, would put on a campaign that wouldn't take any 
crapola from uh, the, the Clinton campaign, and there's going to be a lot of that chucked. Um, and could answer everything quickly and efficiently and would run a good campaign. That's my view. I know you may hate his guts, or you may not uh, agree with me, or you may think somebody else is a better candidate. That's my pragmatic look at it. I don't think anybody else that I can imagine right now that is presently even considering running would have the chance against Clinton that um, Newt Gingrich would have. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Art. Hi. I would like to uh, state my, my opinion about uh, Gordon Michael Scallion. Sure. Where are you, by the way? I'm uh, calling from Denver, Colorado, via KFAB Omaha. Omaha, yes, sir. Um, first of all, in my uh, high school studies, uh, we had basic biology, uh, zoology, and, and geology. Mm -hmm. And if a person would have a basic knowledge of, of how formations are formed, different uh, uh, cataclysmic uh, fissures underneath uh, the ground, they would come up with the conclusion that the Earth is indeed going through a uh, climactic and traumatic period right now. I believe it is. So um, I think uh, you might get angry at this. I think uh, Gordon Michael Scallion is perpetrating a fraud on the American public. No, I don't get angry at that. Look, you're entitled to your opinion of him, as is everybody else. Uh, he's been making predictions on the record, on the record, for a decade now. Well, I'm, I'm sure scientists, if they have basic knowledge, like what I just, just described, yes. will come up with the same conclusions. But, sir, they have not. He has. Well, that, I, that part of it's indisputable. Now, you can say he's full of bunk, and I have no problem with that. Um, but, uh, but, but on the other hand, uh, you ought to look into his percentage of success. Well... Once again, I, I, I would like to have the scientific. Maybe you should challenge the scientific community to come up with explanations on I do. what's going on. And I, I do. don't hear their voices. And, I uh, do. I absolutely do, and I hereby do so. Um, okay, well, I appreciate that. But right. I haven't heard that on your show. All right, well, then hear it now. I, I hereby um, absolutely, absolutely challenge anybody out there um, to dispute his record thus far or uh, to match it using uh, some sort of scientific basis. Now, I have no idea, and I'll say it again, whether to say Gordon Michael Scallion is the real thing. I'm only giving you my opinion. I've had pri very uh, extensive private conversations with Scallion, and um, his concerns, his interests, his... Uh, intensity in person, in private, is no different than you just heard in that interview. No different. When he gets me on the line privately, and we've talked for hours, we don't talk about uh, selling his newsletter or any of the rest of it. His center, his interest, his focus are his visions. And that's it. That's it. And um, as a matter of fact, I, I talked to the Institute uh, the other day, and he is presently tuckered out big time. Totally tired. Um, 
psychically wasted, and it's from what's coming, what he's seen, and all the rest of it. So you heard uh, what he had to say, and uh, as I said at the termination of that interview, you may and are welcome to conclude whatever you wish from it. Take uh, the good parts, reject the bad parts, put your head in the sand, say he's um, a fool, say whatever you want. Uh, I simply presented it for your uh, your edification based on recent events. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Good evening, Mr. Bell. Hello. Boy, I'll bet Doc Democrat could hit that would like to hit it three nights in a row like this. <laughs> <laughs> Say one thing about the uh, O.J. trial. They yeah. allege that O.J. was wearing gloves. Yes. They also allege the prosecution that is allege that O.J. cut his hand. Now, if he was wearing those gloves, where's the corresponding cut on the gloves to match the cut on his hand? That's Not been explained yet. That uh, is sort of a little uh, little mystery. I, you know, I watch the trial daily. I think the prosecution is in gigantic trouble. I think yep. they're in uh, uh, perhaps uh, an unrecoverable situation. And if these tapes are played, and then Mark Furman gets on the stand and takes the Fifth Amendment, I think that is the ball game. I mean, that's it. I, he's, he, it's not going to be a hung jury. I think he's going to walk. Well, I've been I've been paying a lot of attention to it, and I just don't think that the prosecution did the homework very well on this thing. It, uh, I think they've blown it. I think it's their own fault. You know what? I really don't. I I lay the blame more on uh, the LAPD than I do on the talent or the lack of it of the prosecution. Marsha Clark, much as I bitch about her. Mm-hmm. is actually a damn effective uh, prosecutor. She's very, very good at what she does. Uh, it's just that she's been ambushed, in some cases, by her own witnesses, Mark Furman being the latest. I, I, I agree with you, but I, I think that uh, the research wasn't done. Naturally, that should have been done by the... Uh, by well, the... I, don't, I don't think Mark Fur- Furman told them about the tapes. Do you? Nope. <laughs> so, you know, minus the tapes, you've got to remember the Furman testimony was very damning. I mean, he was, everybody thought, oh, he's going to be a bad witness, but he was a great witness. Now, what's going to happen when this great witness goes on the stand, asked if he lied, and he says, I'm, I'm going to have to take the fifth on that one? What, how's that going to affect the jury? We'll be right back. Somewhere in time, 
the night featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from August 23rd, 1995. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the largest live overnight talk show in America. This is Coast to Coast AM. It's good to be here. Uh, retrenching just a little bit very quickly, I hope. Um, We've got word this morning that scientists from the University of the West Indies, Guadalupe, United Kingdom, and the U.S. Geological Survey, that's quite a group, now estimate an 80% chance of a major volcanic eruption at Montserrat in the Caribbean. We talked to a number of people uh, in the Caribbean, a couple of people here this last hour, in addition to replaying the Gordon Michael Scallion interview with regard to the Caribbean. And uh, that should have, really should have stood a few psychic hairs up out there. And we're watching it carefully. Uh, big stories of the day running uh, that Saddam Hussein had his biological and germ warfare weapons locked and loaded. 13,000 gallons of anthrax 130,000 gallons of botulism. And the only reason he didn't use them was because George Bush said he would respond with nuclear weapons. Again, proving nukes are great deterrents. Only trouble is, what happens when the engineer gets the high-grade stuff that he's been trying to get his hands on? The engineer, you know the engineer? That's what they call him in Israel. Or somebody like him. Uh, God help us. Senator Luger said uh, entire square miles of U.S. cities will vaporize. And I don't doubt that. And I said earlier, you know, our generation did the old duck and cover thing under the desk, remember? And we worried about the big one. I think our sons, our daughters, will have to worry about... Well, I don't want to say the little ones, but the possibility of nuclear terrorism. No question about it. O.J. Simpson. Today, one of the uh, world's foremost forensic scientists put another hard foot into the prosecution's single killer case. They've got more shoe prints there. They don't match the shoes the prosecution said O.J. was wearing. So who else was there? You know, it seems to me as though the defense has saved the best for last. I'm sorry, but I think they're clobbering the prosecution right now, and I say this still thinking, wavering, albeit a little bit, uh, but thinking that O.J. Simpson is guilty, but, God, they're putting on a good case. And then the Furman tapes. It just gets worse and worse and worse. You know, it is the leak of the day in the Furman tapes. And the latest leak uh, involves Furman saying things like, quote, referring to uh, something called uh, uh, police, uh, some, uh, something called, um, what are they anyway? I don't know what you'd call them, parties. After they kill a suspect, he said uh, allegedly, quote, it's like the end of a football game where you just won the championship and you're on the real high, you know, you're, you're dominant, you're powerful, you're unbeatable, end quote. Furman's new criminal lawyer says if he's called back to the stand, he may take the fifth. Now, what do you suppose a jury that has not heard all these leaks 
After hearing there are bloody footprints that are not his, hear the tapes, then hear Furman take the fifth. What is that jury going to think? Windows 95 is now out. This is a major event in the computer world. Now, I wonder how many of you have run right out and bought Windows 95. I'll tell you, I've got it here. And I've been chicken to load it. I've actually started to load it into my computer. I started down the trail of loading Windows 95. And I, I canceled. I chickened out. I, I, I wonder about so many things. I wonder... Will my DOS programs all run in Windows 95? Or will I lose something? I wonder, will I still retain my old DOS? Do I want to retain my old DOS? I wonder whether I will like the new Windows setup. I wonder so many things that I'm going to wait until some of you guinea pigs out there load her in, and I, I'll bet you by now... Uh, a lot of people went out and bought it at midnight, and by now a lot of you have got Windows 95 loaded in. Now, are you happy campers? Or are you, um, you I've got so much in my computer. My computer, uh, you know, has become so important to what I do that I just, I'm scared to take a chance. I admit it. I'm, a, I'm scared. Now, I'm going to do it. But I'm going to do it after I hear from a number of you who call and say, Art, you know, I just put Windows 95 in. God, it's the best thing that's ever happened. I love it. Everything runs great. I had all these programs I can use. No problem. And when I hear that, then I'll go back there and reload it again. What I really need is a copy of Windows 95 on uh, 3.5 so I can get it into my... Uh, uh, into my laptop as well. So anyway, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm waiting, I'm worrying, thinking, and I'm waiting to hear from all of you. Those of you that are in the process right now, right this very moment of loading Windows 95, by all means, call up and assure me. <laughs> or tell me I was right to wait. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. This is Brian. Hi, Brian. Where are you? I'm in Oklahoma, Norman, Oklahoma. Excellent. Um... I wanted to. I had a comment for Charlie. I guess his name is the person in California. Yes. Okay. He seems to uh, take relig. He take religion and move away from religion and go into a scientific, more scientific perspective. And I want. I might suggest something for him. Now that's being too kind to him. He doesn't do that. He derides religion, sir, and those who practice it. He derides them. Really. Yes. Really. Okay. Well, I wanted to suggest uh, a couple ideas for him if uh, he wanted to approach something in the scientific term and that might lead him into some, some more spiritual terms and that would be reading some books by the man by the, by the name of Deepak Chopra yeah well um, trying to lead Charlie to something spiritual sir is like uh, uh, trying to get a horse to eat steel rod so you know I, I appreciate the suggestion uh, but um, I don't think he's going to add that immediately to his reading list. <laughs> First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. 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 Hi. Yes. This is Porter in uh, Wyoming. Wyoming. Yes. Where in Wyoming are you? Green River. 
Green River. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Um, uh, what are are you listening on KUGR? Yes, I am. Oh, okay, very good. Uh, thank you. Um, I seen a, something on the TV. It said um, Furman's friends say he's not racist, right? Yeah. And um, I thought that he moved to a white supremacy neighborhood. Well, he moved to Idaho. You know, I'm I'm I'm. I really think it's a little unfair that Idaho gets tagged as a white supremacist uh, place. There are some there, or even white isolate, uh, white uh, separatist place. Um, there are some there, but that is not all Idaho is, and uh, it's getting a bad rap. Yeah, you're probably right. That's now, now there, yeah, that's right. Look, the police union in L.A. just said they're going to stand by Furman. Right. So, but what would you expect? Well, I don't know. That's uh, all right. Thank you. It's quite a conclusion to make, uh, and I don't make that. There are some racist cops. There are a lot of cops who have a natural uh, prejudice based on what they do every day. A natural prejudice. I'm going to say this again, and in some cases, maybe in Mark Furman's, maybe not. It crosses a line from a natural prejudice based on what they do every day to real racism. In other words, what, well, what is real racism? Hmm? It is an absolute hatred based on nothing more than a person's skin color or religion or whatever. But generally, we're talking, we know what we're talking about here, black people. And um, so when it crosses that line, then you've got yourself bad cop. And how they keep from crossing that line amazes me. If you understood the pressure they're under every day, uh, it is amazing to me there are not more bad cops than there are, though that is kind of a contentious issue. How many are there? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, good morning, Art. Good morning. This is the luck of the draw. Uh, I've been on redial. Oh, uh, where where are you? I'm in Phoenix. My Phoenix. name is Anne. Yes, Anne. And uh, I've called you once before uh, concerning uh, Shannon Faulkner and all of that. Ah, yes. But I couldn't resist tonight because you mentioned uh, something about if they find the Ark, um, that will have such an impact. I believe so, yes. And I'll tell you why I don't. Because in the myths from the American Indians and the Sumerian um, Epic of Gilgamesh, uh, specifically, they also speak about a flood and a righteous family that was saved because they built some sort of a vessel. Yes. According to the American Indians, it was a hollow reed. Yes. But according to the uh, Epic of Gilgamesh, it was, a, a you know, another boat. Yes. And, um, you know, if we have these other myths... Um, Christianity doesn't have a monopoly on it. Well, I do agree with that. Uh, but I wasn't necessarily suggesting it would have a great effect just on Christians, ma'am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it will have an effect on the world. In other words, uh, wherever you draw your belief in, in, in that occurrence from, uh, if it is substantiated, then a lot of people are going to return to faiths, not necessarily Christianity, 
any faith, belief in uh, whatever creator you happen to believe in, uh, because, after all, uh, it would just about take a creator to flood the entire world, save animals two by two onto a great ship that ended up on Mount Ararat. No, I think it would put a lot of people in deep thought. All right, well, uh, we shall see. We shall see indeed. Here's a fax on the subject. Hi, Art. I, too, am excited about the prospect of scientists finally being able to investigate Noah's Ark. I believe they have known the, about, uh, the approximate location for quite some time, but there's always been some obstacle in the way of preventing investigation. The quickening, you refer to, is not a secret to biblical scholars, and God may allow events concerning the Ark to proceed this time. Like you, Art, I cannot accept something in my heart that I cannot accept with my mind. That's why Christianity is unique compared to other religions. Here we go. The Ark will only be another piece of evidence to substantiate that faith that argues with what the lady just said. I know end-time prophecy fascinates you, and it puzzles me why you refuse to have men who are experts in biblical prophecy on your program. Men like Hal, Hal Lindsey, I don't refuse to have him. Josh McDowell are just a couple who come to mind. And no, Art, you do not hear the evidence or this type of uh, apologetics in every church or on radio seven days a week. Your audience, pro and con, would enjoy another unique twist to the kingdom of Nye. Well, I, I guess I am familiar with biblical prophecy regarding end times, and I think that most of you who are Christians also are. So I don't feel a need, or, or am I driven, to in effect have a preacher here. Uh, somebody who would um, uh, sort of give us a refresher course on what the Bible says about the end times. Um, so there you are. Um, nevertheless, uh, I'm not I'm not closed uh, to having somebody like Hal Lindsey on. It it could easily occur. Now we take you back to the night of August twenty third, nineteen ninety five. On Art Bell, somewhere in time. Um, Art Bell, your recent interview with Patrick Combs, the gentleman who cashed the non-negotiable junk mail check, was most interesting. He sounds like someone who enjoys testing the establishment as much as I do. Listen to this. Once, when I stepped out of the shower, without my glasses, I noticed what appeared to be a postage stamp on the bathroom floor. Being the frugal person that I am, I put it in my desk drawer for safekeeping. Several days later, wishing to mail a letter, I discovered that what I had put in the drawer was not a stamp at all, but rather a label that apparently had come loose from a pair of my Fruit of the Loom briefs. Not having a real stamp, I noticed how much this label resembled a commemorative postage stamp in size and appearance. So, you got it, folks. He glued it to the corner of the envelope. 
Recalling all the times when the Postal Service had delivered other people's mail to my house, I figured they wouldn't know the difference between a postage stamp and an underwear label. So, in the mail it went. And I'm proud to report that thus far, black helicopters and swarms of federal agents have not surrounded my house in retaliation for the crime I committed. Also, the letter never came back marked return to sender or postage due which proves the postal service is as efficient as ever what an ingenious way to entice people to buy a particular brand of underwear putting postmaster approved labels in your shorts <laughs> art this experience has convinced me the quickening you've been warning us about is really going to happen and apparently already well underway in the postal service West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Yes. Yes. Is our bell? Mm, let me check. Yes, it appears to be. And, oh, okay. Let me turn off my radio. By all means. And this is our bell. I'm on the air right now? I sure hope so. Otherwise, we're in trouble. Okay. Well, it's the first time I have a call. Oh. I have a comment about the... Um, Oh, I forgot. Well, let's see. Where are you? I'm in Seattle. In Seattle. Seattle, Washington. Listening to KOMO. Yes. And you had a comment about something that you have now forgotten. No, I, I remember. Well, it's really interesting because I'm a liberal uh, black guy. I always listen to your uh, station. And I always listen to your show. And I just wanted to make a comment about uh, Louis Farcon and also... Oh, oh, okay. Let me tell you. Uh, let me tell you. Um... I am pursuing that with all vigor. I spoke with um, a Minister Keith X um, day before yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, I faxed them all the information, and he promises me uh, he will try and pursue an interview with me for uh, with Louis Farrakhan mm -hmm. uh, in the very near future. So it is in the works. I did my part. It's up to them now. And I just wanted to clarify something. A little while back, you had a show. It was about uh, it was about the the race issue in the United States. Yes, I recall. And and in regards to that, I just wanted to just make a, a distinction between Louis Farrakhan and Jesse Jackson from my uh, political perspective. And All it's, right. It's as follows: that uh, Jesse Jackson is 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 a is 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 a liberal. But then, in order for a black to be a conservative, I think a, conser the cons a conservative black politically is different than a white to be a conservative. So I would say that... All right, stop there. How How is a conservative black different than a conservative white? I'll say it right now. Because Louis Farcon represents a conservative black view, which is based on hmm. self-reliance and and not blaming white people and the white power structure, whatever that is, you know, on on the problems of black America and taking all the responsibility upon themselves. Well, I think you're, I think you're, you may be half right. Now, I'm willing to sus suspend my opinion until I interview him. In other words, you're certainly right about his preaching uh, blacks taking responsibility for themselves. You're right about that. But I'm not sure you're right that he doesn't blame whites uh he's done some pretty big blame on the whites but just to, but just to end up a, a, a black conservative uh, uh that's that's conservative like you and conservative like you know the conservative wing of, of whatever the republican party is 
is just a, a puppet that's that's because my brother's conservative and he's black. It's just a puppet that's serving the uh, that's serving the existing power structure, I guess, for his, but isn't going to get anything out of it him, himself or or for his people. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, to me, there's no there's a, there's an old joke about when the house catches on fire, all the field slaves are out in the in the field going really really slow, and then the the, the, the house Negro, which I won't use the N word, the house. Right. Uh, look, wait, well, look, sir, hold it. We're we're out of time at the bottom of the hour. I want you to hold on. Okay. All right, stay where you are. We'll come back to you after the break. You're listening to Ark Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM, from August 23rd, 1995. From the high desert to the nation, here we are again. Hi, everybody. It is a beautiful, warm, star-studded night in the desert. Absolutely beautiful out here. As a matter of fact, uh, when I get off the air at about 4 o'clock, it's a good time to go out and take a walk. Oh, it is beautiful. Um, west of the Rockies, you're back on the air again, sir. Um, I, I, I was curious, before you go on, um, as you described yourself, a black liberal... Why are you a listener to my program? Just curious. Okay, I know I want to get back on my subject. Uh, the, the reason why is because I'm really interested in the, the conservative movement, you know, here because because I look at it as as a threat. And then someone someone like you, who's, who's just like Reagan, who's conservative, but then you're nice about it. You know, the same way Reagan was. You're not mean spirited or anything, and, and your arguments are good and everything. And and I like to I like to you know see different views. And there's parts of the conservative agenda that makes sense. That's a fair answer. All right, back to what you were saying. My story is the masses' house catches on fire on the plantation, and and the field negroes are out in the field slowing around to the to the water buckets, and the house negro, which which is what a a, a black conservative person is, is running around the house saying, "Massa, our house is burning," and that's the fallacy of trying to be a black conservative and not either either being of the philosophy somewhere around Farrakhan or of Jesse Jackson, and I'm somewhere in between. And the reason why I think Parkon makes some of the inflammatory statements he does, and I'll get in trouble with this with, with a lot of the Muslims, is because I think most political leaders say things that they know that they know in their hearts aren't true to, to uh, rally support. And I think a lot of the, the anti-Jewish things he says is because he's getting money from some of the people in the Middle East. And so... Of course, he has to, you know, follow that line. Well, I'll tell you, I sure would love to have you on if I can get him on. 
Well, yeah, it would be great. I would, I would enjoy that. All right, sir, I'm, I've got to run. Um, that was a good call. I'm. Um, my attitude about Louis Farrakhan is one of uh, is a sort of a dual attitude. I'm repulsed by a lot of what he said, and I'm attracted intellectually to a lot of what he said. Uh, certainly not uh, the anti-Semitic kind of stuff. But I'm intellectually stimulated by what he said uh, with regard to blacks. As his caller just said, he might be thought of as a black conservative in a way. He does preach self-reliance very heavily. He's got a lot of very fascinating uh, things to say. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. He's uh, just somebody on my list of people that I would like to interview. <laughs> Now we take you back to the night of August 23rd, 1995, on Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hi, Art, this is Ed in Reno. Hello, Ed. I'm a geology grad student, and I was just wanted to comment on that Gordon Michael... Um, Scallion? Scallion. Um... He's making some good guesses. Okay. And uh, what he's done is just pick some large areas where earthquakes occur frequently of that magnitude, and probably just the statistics have worked out that he's lucked out so far. Well, that may be, but uh, over a period of, say, 10 years, his accuracy rating is 86 or 7%, something like that. And I, you know, you can say good guesses, and I've thought about that. Mm -hmm. And sure, you can predict things are going to occur in the ring of fire, and they they definitely will. Well, but, that, when, that's but, but wait a minute now. Let me finish. Okay. Then you can go. When you predict the magnitude, the geographic location, and the time, and you do it again and again and again, um, well, I would think that if you were just making good guesses, you might do, like you do in Las Vegas, a little better than 50% if luck is on your, on your side, but not up in the 80s. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know quite quite valid a valid point. But I, you know, the question is, is you know whether um, a prediction in you know such a large area is you know really uh, worth studying or is it valid? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, as far as the scientific es um, efforts, uh, I believe I'm, some of the big agencies uh, in the geology have a study going on in Parkfield, California. That's right. And um, I think that uh, there's uh, one of their forecast windows is that an earthquake could occur any time starting back in July. Well, they they missed a they missed a couple predictions in Parkfield, I believe. Right, mm -hmm. they they have. So it, it's a budding science, and hopefully they'll get better with it. Hopefully, all right. Thank you, Art. Today during a newscast on the same station that Mike Reagan comes on, whatever that is. This is from Phoenix. Uh, it was announced the old volcano at Mammoth Lake was giving off poison gas and that they had closed the area to tourists. Did you hear about it? In view of the volcanic action you're talking about in the Atlantic and the four-plus earthquake in central Japan today, these are certainly quickening things, Elaine. There was also a shaker, a small one, I believe, near Santa Rosa. There's just been a lot of it going on. There's been a whole lot of it going on. So I, I don't even, look, 
a lot of people try to say, well, Art's talking uh, um, from a religious point of view. No, I'm not. I'm really not. And I'm not ascribing this to a religious uh, occurrence that is ahead, or a scientific one, or anything else. I refuse to do that. I'm simply noting for you, as a talk show host who's been covering this and looking at it and monitoring it very carefully, that it is going on. I'll leave the conclusions about where it's leading and where it's from to all of you. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Yeah, it's Charlie, liberal in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, you had some religious guy call in. You know something? Here's what religious people do not understand. They try to co- they try to combine religion and science, and they're two completely different topics. How do you religion, know? How, how do you know that? Because religion teaches one, or attempts to teach one, how to live one's life. Science deals with investigating the physical world. They're two. Totally different thing. No, they're not. It's like when. Well, I'll give you an example. The guy who wrote Genesis, he when he said the uh, Earth was the in the universe was created in six days, mm-hmm. could not have possibly have known that the Earth, that the Sun is a second generation star, and that the universe probably existed ten billion years before the Sun did. Well, how so, do we how do we know what a, a day meant to God? Well, you can rationalize that all you want. I remember I remember arguing with one guy. He was talking about how uh, this guy, I guess, fit fit all the animals of the earth on an ark, even though I explained to him that it would be physically impossible, first of all, to collect all the animals and put them on the ark. And if you go to the San Diego Zoo, for example, you look at all those animals, they don't even represent a small percentage of the animals on the planet. And he was just, he simply said, well, God shrunk them down to, uh, to size. And I said, well, you'd have to go all, the, all over the earth to collect all these animals. He said, no, God made them all come to one location. Little so, bitty I mean, elephants, use that little bitty giraffes and... Little bitty dinosaurs. You could use that argument for anything. But the thing is, rather than do that, why not just separate the two? Why combine the two? That's what religious people do. That's wrong. It's like these people calling in saying, oh, well. Because the two are not always mutually exclusive, Charles. They're they're simply not. A lot of science supports what religion has said and, and vice versa. The people who wrote the Bible had very limited knowledge, even if they were scientists back then. You're talking about 2,000 years ago. There's things that they simply did not understand. doesn't mean the Bible is, uh, is bad literature. It doesn't mean God doesn't exist. It does mean that there were things that these guys simply could not have known, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it, and actually, if you, look at, if you investigate the real world, if you really want to find out who God is, then, then you don't put blinders on and say, oh, okay, the earth is 6,000 years old, uh, human beings have been here, uh, were the first created animal. You don't do that. If you really want to know who God is, you, uh, you look at the facts, and, and you direct yourself t- toward the facts. And actually, if you do that, you, see a, you actually see a rather awesome God, if you believe in God. You see a, you see a planet that's uh, almost 5 billion years old, you see a God that's capable of uh, creating an entire species, letting it rule the planet for 143 million years, and getting rid of that species and putting mammals on the earth. I think that's rather impressive. I do too, Charlie, and if you really feel that way about it, uh, then I, I suggest you begin showing him more reverence. First time caller line, you're on the air. Art, this is Elizabeth in Vancouver. Hello, Elizabeth. How are you doing? Good to talk to you. Um, I think that quantum quantum theory makes the likelihood of God um, almost inevitable, but that isn't my subject. I wanted to talk about 
uh, the Ark and actually maybe even pinning down which culture produced the Ark and which flood for that matter. All right. Um, I was um, listening to one of your callers the other night who follows um, the archaeologist Jones. Yes. And he was talking about the fact that they used resonating or sonar devices to locate um, walls. Um, two walls in which the the wood of the ark would be encased. Mm -hmm. And that reminded me of the Chaldean account of the flood and the fact that um, the Chaldean ark, and the Chaldeans, C-H-A-L-D-E-A-N, were contemporaries or cousins of the Babylonians, and their ark actually had uh, was encased with two layers, one on the inside and one on the outside of asphalt, which the ancients knew about, and it would be like a, a tarry... Um, petroleum mixture with some sort of gravel or stone right. mixed in with it. So this really does uh, not just the size of the Chaldean Ark, which was 600 cubits, and that's much more in keeping with these aerial, these satellite photographs of the site. Correct. But the two layers of um, the binding material encasing the inside and outside of the Ark fits in more with the Chaldean account. And as far as the flood is concerned, um, I think we should examine the idea that there was not a general world disaster, but that glacial lakes held back by ice dams, which really um, existed into historic times. In fact, maybe the striations along the base of the, the Sphinx were caused by the breaking of these ice dams with warming climate. Are you yeah. following all this argument? Absolutely. Anyway, I'd like to, to leave a little test for your callers about the millennium, if you don't mind. No, I don't you got mind. another sec? No, yeah, sure, go ahead. Well, I'm calculating the millennium differently, and I, I think that we're, we're it's either past and we're in the first year of the third millennium, or it might be this year. My math isn't that good, but I'd like to leave four basic, five basic clues. I've got a lot more research that I might bring up you later. You calculate the error to be about six years, I would bet. You're so right. Well, just a guess. Right. Um, what you need to know, if you're writing this down, you need to know the Roman census here. You need to know what the date was on the stele or the marker that commemorated Herod the Great's death. You need to know the date of John the Baptist's execution. And you need to know what year Pontius Pilate was fired by the Romans. And you also need to calculate the missing year in the Christian calendar. Are you aware that there's a missing year in the Christian calendar? I've heard that. And, I, and I'm familiar with the, the, the general line that you're following, and that's how I came up with the six-year uh, six guess. I, I really was not a guess. I am familiar. Thank you very much for the call. And, of course, if she is correct. Yeah, well. Back to the OJ trial for a second. Uh, listen to this. Kind of an interesting facts from Charlotte. I observed an odd incident, which I don't know if anybody else noticed. When Dr. Lee was talking about and showing a close-up picture of the key found at Bundy, Denise Brown suddenly leaned forward with a look of surprise and recognition on her face. Supposedly, this key was from Ron Goldman's key ring. But... Could it be possible she recognized the key as belonging to someone she knows who was not O.J. or Ron Goldman? It was a very short instance, but it's puzzled me all day because she did not seem really upset, just surprised to see that particular key at the Bundy scene with blood on it. Then she leaned back in her seat and just looked politely interested in the rest of the proceedings. 
Incidentally, the talking heads were saying how boring and incomprehensible they found Dr. Lee's testimony. I was fascinated with, with his seminar on blood splatters and his uh, uh, evidentiary uh, opinions. I was, too, and I thought he was, uh, in fact, a very good teacher, and that was very important testimony, very important. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi, Art. How are you? I'm okay. You ever notice how everyone says, yeah, Art? Well. Yeah, they do say it. I guess they do. Actually, I just wanted to tell you that I'm in Grand Rapids, number one, and between the time you come on and the time the other program before you, well, the program I listen to goes off, I have an hour where I listen to somebody else, and I called that guy tonight, and they had a screener, and it instantly turned me off. That's why I like your show. Well, that's why I like it, too. I do, it just, you know, screening is all right, and I guess for some programs they have to do it uh, because of the format or because they only want to talk about one subject or because they don't want challenges or I don't know why, you know, a million different reasons, but uh, it wouldn't be as much fun for me. Yeah, well, and and i got to be honest with you, that's why I keep doing this, because it's fun. Yeah, exciting. <laughs> so anyway. that, that's right. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Well, I really like your show. Thank you. Thanks. All right, sir. Thank you uh, very much for the call. I am convinced. Well, you know, uh, as you know, the ratings for the program are absolutely astronomical. As a matter of fact, yesterday, one of the first things they said to me on KCMO in Kansas City was, Hey, Art, you know, you've got the highest ratings at KCMO, and that's very flattering. And it's just, you know, beginning to move. Uh, the ratings in the West or the Western third of the U.S. are uniformly cursmash. I mean, we're number one everywhere. And now that process is be beginning uh, rapidly to move east. And I'm very thankful for it. And, you know, I, I don't totally know why. I just know that I, when I come on and have fun, then everybody else seems to also. There is no... Um, absolute subject material that we glue ourselves to at any given time. It's always open line talk radio. And I don't screen calls. Now, I don't think that's all that magical. It's just not done very frequently. And uh, so it's, it's part of the equation. It's not all of it. I, I don't even know, and I don't even like thinking about it, but uh, it is different. And it's more fun. And I've got to do it five hours a night. And if I always knew what was coming next, I'd be bored to death. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. How's it going? This okay. is uh, Kenny from New Orleans. Uh, hi there. Uh, do you like promoting racism? No. Why do you want to have Louis Farrakhan on your show? Well, because I want to try to understand him. Because he understand. He's nothing but hate. No, that's, that's not true. It is true. Do you have a lesson to what he says? Yes. I don't think you do. Well, um, that would be your opinion, and you're welcome to it. I heard an interview between uh, done by, uh, I believe it was Barbara Walters. Did you happen to catch that? No, but I listened to, to uh, two of his uh, little meetings that he has in churches. Yep. Uh, he was here a while back. He had uh, 15,000 black men 
in the UNO Lakefront Arena. Mm-hmm. And what he says is he's a real God and that blacks are being uh, forced down by white people. And that, uh, I mean, how can he say these things like blacks build the pyramids? Where does he get this crap from? Well, when he's here, maybe you could ask him. I don't uh, want to ask him nothing. Well, nothing you know, I mean, uh, you're criticizing me for seeking to interview him, and yet you apparently sat down and on two occasions, not one but two, just admitted you listened to him. Why'd you do that? Why? Yes, sir. Because if people didn't listen to him and say, hey, man, this, this guy's doing something wrong, you know, well, and I'd go in, and tell, you know, somebody like you that wants to interview him. In that case, then... Uh, that is what the audience would conclude, you know. I want to hear what the man has to say. And I guess for the same reasons that you went and listened to him twice. Sure did. All righty. Appreciate your call, sir. Thank you. There are a lot of people that I disagree with radically that I still want to interview. Does that surprise you, shock you? Do you think that is wrong? There are a lot of people I disagree with that I want to try to understand, and um, he's one of them. I've got a whole list of people that I would love to interview. Uh, Louis Farrakhan is, uh, is but one of them. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi, how you doing, Art? This is uh, Quadraphonic Ross from Phoenix. How are you doing tonight? It's quite a handle. <laughs> yeah. Um, say, the... Uh, Format for the uh, Monday night's uh, Roswell showing. Yes. Is do you know uh, what the format on that's going to be? Is that going to no, be documentary? I, or no, something? no, and I don't know. And I think it's you know they're not telling, and I think it's very critical. Uh, I would I would advise them not that they're going to listen to me to try to be neutral to try to make it simply a presentation of here it is. You decide for yourself. Maybe have a sit-down discussion afterward with some scientists or pathologists or uh, various uh, sorts of people. And I hope they don't whoop it up. I hope they don't laugh at it, chuckle at it. I hope they just, as, as they do in England, present it and allow people to decide for themselves. That's what I hope. Is, is it going to be a BBC production? No, it'll be... Well, of course, the BBC has uh, their own thing, but uh, it's going to be done by Fox. Okay. Fox Network. So we'll see how they handle it. I, I'm, I'm with you. I hope they uh, treat it with some respect. Well, it should be. Uh, it, uh, thank you very much for the call. It should be treated with some respect and let the people decide for themselves. It'll be coming up Monday night, the 28th. And it's going to be something. We'll be right back.
Premier Radio Networks presents Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired August 23, 1995. Now the uh, iron hand of dictatorship comes down. I just heard on the Associated Press that the release of Windows 95 in Seattle uh, was one of the most major events they've ever seen. There were people waiting uh, at midnight to grab it. And so I know that a lot of you have, uh, probably as you're listening to me, you're loading in Windows 95. Actually, you ought to have it loaded by now, uh, unless you did something wrong. And so I am opening a Windows 95 line only for those people that have just installed Windows 95. I want your immediate opinion, your review. This is live talk radio, and I might add, we're on in the Seattle area, as you all know, on KOMO and then earlier on KBI. And so um, this is it, folks. Windows 95 line exclusively for this whole hour. East of the Rockies, you are on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Art. Turn your radio off, please. All right. This is Robert in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Hi, Robert. Turn your radio off, please, Robert. Okay, I'm trying to... We will wait. Okay. All right, what I was calling to talk to you about is the drug problem in the United States. Yes. And I'm 17 years old. You know, some people are probably going to say, you know, there's teenagers talking about drug problems. Well, I'm not going to lie. You know, I've tried marijuana, and I'm not glorifying that or anything. But what I don't understand is, you know, I've heard about the national debt and all this. Why doesn't the government just, you know, like, take over this drug problem and, you know, like, say, well, if you're not addicted to it, you can't have it, you know, but... Try to help the people that are, and, you know, if they've got to give them drugs, then give the people that are already addicted drugs and try to keep away from the other people, because I think that would... And make money and reduce the deficit. Yeah. God, that's great. And, and let me add to it, um, as long as we're going to do that, then I live here in a state where prostitution, you know, is legal. Yeah. Uh, in, in many uh, counties here. Mm-hmm. So why not have the government... Go into prostitution, too. I mean, there's really no difference, and they could, you know, pro- you know, you, the government's cut from prostitutes, that'd be big. Yeah. Uh, gee, uh, what, 20, 30, 40 percent um, uh, each time a, a trick is turned in behalf of the government, and we could reduce the, the debt even more. I, I mean, I just don't see any, you know, need. I don't see what I think. I personally think that the... That... So is that a good idea? I don't think that prostitution is. Because well, why not? Because it's what difference is there between that and drugs? Because you're not hooked to prostitution, you know. You can. Well, there's lots of people that are hooked on prostitution. They're mental. Not. They don't think they're mentally hooked. They're, they just. I would say sex is right up on there, up there uh, in terms of human drive, right so, along with with the need for drugs. So if that's the case, then how come we don't have places and hospitals offering help for people that are addicted to prostitution? Um, well, that's a, that's a very good question. Maybe we ought to have. Uh, I was giving you, sir, a ridiculous example to try to t- tell you why the, our government shouldn't be in these businesses, prostitution or drugs or anything else. That's not the purpose of our government. We need to have a long talk one night about uh, why we have government, what government should be doing legitimately, and what it sure as hell ought not be doing. And it should not be in the drug business, nor should it be in the prostitution business. 
First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Oh, hello. Oh, I'm sorry. You're, this is my Windows 95 line. You better believe it. Uh, where are you? I'm in Santa Fe, California. Okay, turn your radio off. It's off now. Okay. Um, did you just get Windows 95? I just got it tonight. I installed it. Yes. The installation went absolutely perfect, and I love it. Really? Yes. Now, do you miss having all the icons arranged neatly on the screen the way you did with uh, your previous Windows? No. I mean, it's different, but you adjust to it right away. Really? Yeah. All right. Now, how about, I keep, I'm going to keep asking this, are all your DOS-based programs playing okay in Windows? Yeah, I just played uh, Panzer General, and it was perfect. And I tried Aces over Europe, and that ran perfectly, so... So far, those two games, uh, which are pretty advanced, complex games, ran flawlessly. How much memory uh, do you have? Eight megabytes. And by the way, my system is running faster than it's ever run before. Really? It's a uh, 486-50 megahertz system. 50? Yeah. Um, well, that sounds like a pretty good review so far, so you're a happy camper. Right now, I am 100% happy. I even accessed... Um, now, did you install this over uh, 3.1? I sure did, yeah. Okay. And by the way, I also successfully accessed America Online, went into the Internet, went into uh, World Wide Web, and everything worked perfectly. Um, all the graphics look proper? In fact, <clears throat> the graphics came up faster than they had ever come up before. I couldn't believe it. Now, so you're almost getting me interested here. Yeah, I, I was very <laughs> skeptical, very skeptical. I was not going to do this. Did you run out and buy it at midnight? I sure did. Yeah? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, right now this looks just fantastic. All right, well, that's very encouraging, very it? encouraging. It, it really is for me, too. All right, my friend, thank oh, you. Okay. Uh, there, there he is. Uh, oh, now, see, that's good to hear. I admit it, I'm, I'm afraid of it. Intrigued by drawn to, magnetically drawn to, wanting to grab... I've got it on a CD, you know, and I grab that CD, and I put it in my hand, and I look at it, and I even, as I said, I put it in my CD uh, drive and closed the door and started the process and then chickened out and stopped it. I don't know what I'm worried about. I've got tape back up, I, you know, but it's just that... On my Windows 95 line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. This is Clinton, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, yes, sir. Yes. Uh, I have OS 2 and got the Windows 95. And uh, Windows 95 did just fine, for, except for some files. But they were real old uh, DOS programs that I had problems with. But uh, overall, it's doing pretty good. Well, did it just flat refuse to run some of the older stuff? Yeah, it, it got piled up in the hard drive. But I had prepped the machine with uh, Norton Utilities for Windows, and we've had experienced some people over here having uh, virus programs. They've got a lot of uh, virus programs running through the system uh, when you download stuff. Right. And your 16-bit uh, virus protection programs don't work with Windows 95. Yeah, th now I've heard that. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, virus protection. You know, I, I once had a virus uh, in my computer, Michelangelo. Actually, I've had it in there twice. 
And um, the present DOS system, I know a lot of eyes are glazing over out there, but uh, this is a big event, Windows 95. The present DOS system, 6.2 or 2.2, whatever you've got, has MSAV, which is a wonderfully effective virus eliminator. And I've heard people say, well, there is no virus protection in Windows 95. So if you do a lot of telecommunicating, um, you might have reason to be concerned. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not, but that's the second person who told me that. See, that makes me vacillate again. Do you see why I'm worried? Who wants a virus? Not me. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Radio Free America. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, listen, I wanted to get to uh, the ARC, but uh, on uh, the Joshua Tree Toads polls, would be the, the same polls it had uh, Pataki, I mean, uh, Cuomo uh, up by 16. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah those polls, yeah. They're polling America. <clears throat> anyway, on the ARC, uh, you had a lady call in uh, about some uh, religious references to the flood. However, I think the Bible is the only uh, um, reference point that specifically points out the mountains of Ararat yes. as the resting place of the ark. Yes. So one would have to come to the conclusion that there would be humongous uh, support in the in the, you know the Bible's version of the I, story, so to speak. I do conclude that. And uh, it's what, what's really amazing. And I, the, another lady called in. It was about the cubits, which. They're not precisely sure about, and she she could actually be correct with her measurements on that. A lot of people say, you know, 450 feet long, but uh, it might be longer. They're not sure about that. So this is really a fascinating uh, story. Art, I, I wanted to ask you, what was the date that uh, they that uh, they said that that showed up on the satellite? Um, well. People are confusing that. Uh, the, the, actual, the way I understand the story is the very day of the creation of Israel, in 1948, uh, there was an earthquake. Right. What, then, but, but I do not have the date. Years later, when satellite imagery, and it was satellite imagery, so obviously it was years later, mm -hmm. first detected the apparent presence of what seems to be or may be the ark. If, if, um, if you could maybe find out what, you know, is possibly as specific that a date that that satellite photograph uh, was taken. I well, was... I, I think it was not long after that that we began hearing about it, and so I'm taking a wild stab now. I've been hearing about this, it seems like, for about four, four or five years now, and um, so that I'll bet that's about when. Oh, wow, it's really a fascinating story. Also, lastly, um, to uh, the lady that kind of cheated you out for being a sexist, Oh, yeah. Maybe she can get uh, Charlie into Mills College. <laughs> By today's standards, I am a sexist, and I'm even sort of proud of uh, it. So am I, I guess. I'll talk to you later. See you later. Anybody see Shannon last night? On my Windows 95 line, you're on the air. Uh, yes. I did actually have a problem with uh, my video card. Oh, your video card? Yeah. A conflict. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> well, it wasn't a conflict. It's uh, one of those 16 mil million color cards. Right. But it only works as a regular 16 color card under Windows 95. Well, Windows 95 should have installed new drivers. Uh, yeah, but didn't recognize uh Didn't my recognize card. your card, huh? So I would recommend that people check out the beforehand that they can get Windows 95 drivers for the equipment. Well, 
Um, it's it'll be interesting to see how many people have the same exact problem. Um, they supposedly had drivers that would cover about everything that's out there. Now you may be proof they don't. Thank right. you, thank you very much for the the call, sir. Thanks. See, a little problem. I'm going to put that one down. I too have a uh, video card that gives me 16 million colors. You know, two megs of video RAM, and uh, I know. I'm kind of being chicken, but um, I'm one of those who I'm, I'm so happy with what I've got now that it's hard to imagine I, I could be happier. My computers are running at the moment. You know, you can get very angry at them, and it has not always been this way. But they're running very well. And so there's the, the old saying, don't fix it if it ain't broken, right? Well, it ain't broken. Nevertheless, the temptation to fix it remains. <laughs> Windows 95 line, you're on the air. Hi, Art. Hello. Uh, I was running, uh, I, I just uh, got done installing it, it's running fine. Really? Yeah. Um, what kind no of problems at all. What, what, what kind of computer? Uh, compact. Uh, oh, a, um, a laptop? Uh, no. no. It's a it's uh, regular uh, four okay. standing model. 486? Yeah. Uh, how many megs of memory? Uh, 16. 16. Okay, see, I've got eight. I haven't updated yet, but uh, I understand it runs on 8.0. Yeah, it was, it's doing multitasking real smooth. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Do you have a lot of applications? Uh, I was uh, defragging uh, uh, my Bernoulli drive. I've got several drives hooked up and yeah. uh, several SCSI devices and right. uh, recognized all of them. Really? And I had no problems whatsoever. But but did, when I say a lot of applications, I wasn't asking you so much about hardware or software. I haven't really tried most of my... Uh, Older applications, but uh, I think they're going to be okay. Uh, I had one problem; it didn't like my Logitech uh, mouse driver. Really? And uh, it just told me that I should upgrade it. And other than that, uh, everything worked fine. Then, did you not? Uh, did your mouse driver then not work? Or uh, it works, but it, I couldn't uh, program the. Uh, uh, center and the right uh, right button on it. Oh, oh, I see, I see, I see, I see. All right, well, no, that makes sense. That, all right, well, so far, look, after you've gone through some of your old applications, let me hear from you again, all right? Sure will. Because that's the only thing that's scaring me a little bit. We'll be right back. Now we take you back to the night of August 23rd, 1995. On Art Bell, somewhere in time. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art Bell. Yes. All right, I have a comment on racism. All right. Okay, I just think that uh, there will always be racism until we stop categorizing people as white people and black people. Well, and that will not occur until there are no more white and black people. In other yeah. words, until we're all gray or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I just think that, uh, you know, there's no such thing as white garbage or black garbage. There's just just garbage, period. So, yeah, that's a fair statement. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Um, I've always thought that uh, one day as intermarriage continues, um, the races will sort of, color-wise, uh, simply disappear and then we're going to really need somebody to hate, and uh, see what are we going to do then when the color differences or the religious differences, they may not disappear. 
But the color differences, Will, I, I suppose we can then all still fight over religion. Heaven forbid we don't have anything to hate for, huh? Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hello, Art. Yes. Yeah, this is Dan from Seattle. Hi, Dan. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to talk to you about uh, Gordon Michael Scallion. Uh, appreciate you playing the tape. Uh, well, it's relevant. I mean, yeah. considering what's going on right now. Well, I hadn't heard it before. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, it was I interesting see. to me because uh, you, you held over the second half where uh, was talking about the uh, Martinique uh, events down in the uh, Caribbean islands. Yes, sir. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he mention something about uh, volcanic activity with uh, Vesuvius yes, sir. and Etna? Yes, sir. Well, I think I can understand why he's so tired. <laughs> well, last time I checked, Etna is in Sicily in the Mediterranean, and Vesuvius is in western Italy. Uh-huh. Well, now, then you've got to look more carefully in the Caribbean. What's that? You've got to look more carefully in the Caribbean. Are there are there other volcanoes named Etna and Vesuvius um, other than the two famous ones? I, I guess. Um, I'm not a geography expert, but uh, he named those, and then I believe two other possible active uh, volcanic of volcanoes north and south of those two. Hmm. So I remember I mentioned uh, uh, Edward uh, Casey and discussions about Pele. Yes. And then uh, I was just kind of completely blown out of the water when he brought up Vesuvius and Etna because I know those are two very famous uh, long active volcanoes uh, in the Mediterranean. Mm Mm-hmm. And I absolutely, you know, I'm no uh, 100% Caribbean expert either, but uh, I don't. uh, Well, he mentioned. uh, He mentioned. Excuse me. He he mentioned the adjacency to to Martinique, and I I I know exactly where Martinique is. I was there three years ago, so I I promise you that's in the Caribbean. I'll do a little more checking on it, uh, pull out my uh, localized maps, and uh, see what I can find out. All right, thank you. And uh, in addition. Um, and I don't have it now in front of me. Uh, there is a volcanic uh, activity dog on it. Uh, yeah, Montserrat. Uh, Montserrat. I don't need to find it. That's that's what it was. Montserrat. Uh, it has, uh, according to USGS and a lot of the others, an 80% chance of erupting shortly, and they are presently evacuating. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. System operators that run bulletin boards that they're having any problems like you know front end front door type thing with the uh, Windows 95. Um, think about that. I I'm skeptical like you. I, I know I have I'm been put this thing in there, man. I'm doing fine under DOS and well, I know. I know. I've I've heard though, and this is the truth that um, I think it's the truth <laughs> that um, bulletin board operators are going to love it more than almost anybody else because of the true multitasking. Uh, a real advantage uh, in bulletin board operation. So that, that's curious because I read a lot of quick mail and stuff like that. That uh, that's, that's offline mail for people to understand what that is. But anyhow, there's a lot of uh, articles in there of problems after problems after problems with Windows 95 that I've that I've read. Nothing but problems for you know like system operation stuff. So yeah, I'm well, with, I, look, I'm with you. I'm I'm staying with 311 in. <laughs> Until I get a lot of calls saying, Art, you're crazy if you don't go to Windows 95. Yeah, I hear you there. So, yeah, for multitasking, it would make sense as from a user's point. But, you know, if you're offering something to somebody, then, you know, you'd, uh, 
I don't know. Like you said, if it's not broken, why mess with it? Like if the car engine's dirty, why clean it? <laughs> yeah, but 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 you know that's also a little like saying. Uh, it sure is fun driving my my twenty uh, five year old Lincoln uh, car um, when when you could be driving a, a brand new you know whiz bang something or another and so you know you, you got say, yours backed up on tape I got my uh, Windows three one and DOS three one backed up on CD ROM oh so that's, I, yeah see that's I don't worry about viruses at all if I go down I'm up in three hours that's cool yeah. All right. Well, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for talking there. Uh, you bet. I, I feel we, we feel exactly the same way, sir. We're both chicken. I'll be right back. You're listening to Rock Bell Center in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from August 23, 1995. Somewhere in time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from August 23rd, 1995. Ah, good morning. From the high desert, I'm Art Bell. And it's good to be here. I'm, I'm tempted. I'm so tempted. I've got a Windows 95 line open, Windows 95 only. On my uh, Windows 95 line, you're on the air. Good morning, Art. This is Jim in San Francisco, KSFO. Hi, Hi Jim. How you doing? Oh, great. Yeah, I'm going to hold off on that kind of stuff for a while. I got the uh, 3-1, but uh, it's always best to wait about six months or a year. Well, that's of course, that's the wise thing to do, and it's the sensible, or to use a Bushism, a prudent thing to do. Yeah. But Thanks. I'm dying to put it in there. Yeah. Probably won't notice that much difference. I mean, more like other than all the tasking, it won't that much difference anyway. Oh, I don't know. I, you know, people are saying it really is that that it really is. It, I mean, it's an utterly, completely different operating system. It, it's using a new DOS seven something or another, and uh, it it. You're right. It multitasks and it's fast and it's um, user friendly and all the rest. Of, I mean, it's really tempting. Yeah. Are you a Pentium based? Um, no, um, I've got a old 66 two here, and uh, I've also got a 100 megahertz uh, laptop. Yeah, I got a 46 laptop. Uh, what kind of um, 
RAM are you using? Do you use more than four? No, yeah, eight megs in oh, both, yeah, both, right. both computers. And I've got a 540 hard drive on both. Yeah, you'd be all right. So, you know, I've got, I've got all I need, but I still, I, I can't, you know, I, I linger over the click continue, and I, I can't make my finger do it. <laughs> it usually takes a while for the bugs to work out after it's been released to open market. Yeah, I, I, I know, I know, but I want to and I don't want to. It's That's why I have this line open. Um, anyway, you don't qualify. You don't have it yet. That's true. Oh, I see. That's, that's right. Thank you. That's right. I just broke my own rule. It's supposed to be people only have put Windows 95 in. Only if you ran out at midnight and got it and you've loaded it in and you're reacting now. On my Windows 95 line, you're on the air. Uh, thank you. I own a, uh, I'm in Honolulu. Yes, my sir. Name is, my name is Dave. And uh, I forgot the radio station here. I'm sorry. I listen to it every night. It's a wonderful station. Well, how can you forget it? It's KHVH. In That's Honolulu. by KHVH, uh, right. local, all new. Yes. Uh, I own one of uh, uh, I'm a computer consultant, and I build computers here in Honolulu for many years. Yes, sir. And I just want to let you know that I've been a facial beta test site for many months, and I've been banging on Windows 95 for over a year and a half. And uh, it's a great program, and this is where we're going into the future. Right now, to make this transition, you are going, and you and I and everybody else are going to have problems. Um, for example, I'm using uh, an Adeptech AHA2940 Fast Wide SCSI 3 hard disk drive controller with a 2 gigabyte hard drive. Right. And, well, just uh, this will give you about 155 megabytes per second data uh, transfer rate and burst mode speed. Windows 95 didn't have drivers for it. I'm um, using a Matrox, so one of their high-end video cards you can possibly buy. It's about a thousand-dollar card with four megs of VRAM. And it didn't recognize it. Uh, no, it didn't no have drivers? drivers for it. Now, but see, you're the you're the second person who said that it hasn't had drivers for the video card. Yes, sir. But as soon as I went out to Matrox and uh, they're up in Canada, and you know, called their BBS and downloaded it, called Adaptech and downloaded the drivers. Boom! Everything is coming up. Uh, but the antivirus programs such as McGaffey's, which is absolutely about the best you can buy. I agree. Norton's and uh, uh, PC Tools, uh, these kinds of pro and even uh, Photoshop, if you're into multimedia like I am. I, I am, and, and I, I do have Norton, and I do have PC Tools, and you're going to yeah. tell me they're not going to run. No, and don't even try, because you can really, uh, you know, you can have long file names now in Windows 95, right. 100... And uh, you try uh, Norton's on it, you're going to trash it. You're going to hurt yourself. So don't don't even try Norton. WordPerfect for Windows. Uh, a lot of people use that. I use Microsoft Word. But uh, WordPerfect has got some bugs in it that's going to lock you up and give you some problems if you're doing certain things. Otherwise, a Quicken version 4.0. Quicken 3 runs better on Windows 95 than well, then, Quicken okay. version 4.0 does. All right, but you've given me so. more on the negative side than on the positive side. Well, no, it's a good program. What it is is this, it's a transition program to get us from 16-bit operating to 32-bit. Yeah, I know. To 32-bit, and Windows NT is really where we should be right now. But that's made mainly for file servers. Right. And uh, right, I so, know somebody who just installed Windows NT. Right. As a matter of fact. All right. Well, thing, I, one one good thing, if I could say it, please. Yes. Uh, and I listen to you every night, and I love your show. But uh, Microsoft is coming out with uh, it's Microsoft Office and Office Professional, and it's all recompiled and all done up for Windows 95. So anybody that's using Word and Excel and all those fine programs like that, in the next 30 to 60 days, you're going to see a complete flood of uh, new applications recompiled and built for Windows 95. Uh, very so good point. It's a good place to be. All right, sir, thank you. Um, yeah, but maybe it's not a good place to be yet. And... Um, you know, what you just told me kind of supports 
what I was, my deepest fears. And uh, that is that a number of applications might not work. I really don't worry that it, you know, I have a Phantom 64 uh, video card. And uh, I don't worry that it won't recognize that. I think it would. I'm not so sure about the scanning device. I'm not so sure about a light weather device card and some of the rest of that. I, I'm just not sure. <sighs> but, you, you know, this man is right about one thing, and that is you're going to see a flood of rewritten applications uh, for Windows 95 over the next few months. Maybe that'll make life a lot easier. Maybe a lot of what I depend on right now will be rewritten to be compatible. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air. Uh, yes, this is Sandy in Ottawa, Illinois. Hello, Sandy. Hello. I am sorry you've gone off of our radio now for our agricultural report. So I don't know if anyone has answered this, but you had a gentleman that was a little sarcastic about um, Mr. Scallion. Oh, yes. And um, he did not say that Vesuvius and Etna were in the Caribbean. He said that there were lava vents underground. Connected. That connected all of them. And then he mentioned uh, um, activity, I believe, on, on each side of Martinique, correct? Right. That, that's right. what I thought. Yes. So... Uh, People should not be sarcastic unless they they hear the words, but they don't listen to what they really are. Well, he qualified it. Right. All right. Thank you. Thank you, mm -hmm. uh, and have a have a good morning. Uh, Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello there. Well, that's too bad you wasted a call. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air. How you doing, Art? Okay. Um, I just wanted to say about the Windows 95. Yes. It's amazing you guys are so excited to have something that's so close to a Macintosh now. <laughs> uh, that's, what, that's the way the whole Macintosh system is built up. It's so easy, and the bugs are worked out already. I'm, I'm, I'm not jumping in on this one. I'm not going to do it. I'm it's, not... just, it's just so funny because everybody's going like, oh, Windows 95, it's wonderful, it's so easy. That's the way Macintosh is built up. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Uh, sir, really amazing. sir, all right, all right, fine. All right, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that I think Macintoshes are going to be uh, full of dust in garages all over America over the next ten years, and it's going, it's going to IBM. Not with the power PCs. Yeah, well, the power, the power PC chips are blowing away. The Pentiums are yeah, blowing yeah, away. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, Intel. I don't know why I'm doing this. You baited me into it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bait you, but I mean <laughs> it, it just it, it just surprises me because when I when I looked at uh, just watching on TV about the uh, 95. Yes. And the whole the whole way it's all set up is the way Macintosh has been doing it for years. All right, and now now you're you're beginning like, oh, you're, you're this beginning. Is great. This is wonderful. Sir, you're repeating yourself. I know. I'm sorry about that, but I mean it. It, it is amazing with the power PCs because people always said that the Macintoshes weren't good because they didn't have the speed that the IBMs had. But with the power PCs, they do have the speed now. In fact, they've you know they've got beyond the speed. I think the newest ones they're uh, 132. Megahertz. Well, uh, there'll be. Uh, I, I understand that there'll be a 130 or 40 megahertz chip out shortly uh, for IBM. Sure. Uh, 
shortly, but Macintosh is already there, so I don't All think right. you'll be. I don't think you'll be seeing the Macintosh. I'm blowing you. Well. I'm blowing. I can't listen to any more of this, sir. Okay. Well, have a good evening, Art, and all you guys with the 95s, have fun. <laughs> First time caller line. No, ooh, ooh, no, no, no. On my Windows 95 line, you're on the air. Hello? Hello. Hi. Um, I'm just sir, curious what's making you decide not to hold up um, to go to Windows 95. Well, I mean, have you been listening? Yeah, I mean, um, you know that the fact is that right, I'm here in the Seattle all, area. You're in Seattle. Do you have Windows 95? Yes, I have. I've um, wor worked with it for quite a long time. Another beta tester. Um, sort of. Yeah. I I'm I'm a little closer to the product than that. Um, I uh, mean, oh, 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 so so let's let's just let it out then. You work for Microsoft. I work with Microsoft. Yes. All right. Fine. Yeah, I, I'm. All right. Um, give me your best argument. One oh. thing is that you can back out. You have ability to back out, and you can still leave your present Windows DOS. Um, configuration there so if you're worried there's one part um, possibilities right there is you can leave it there and not have to worry about it you can stay there and decide what to go with um, another thing is is for a lot of people it is much easier to use system than Windows 3.1 was um, well I think it is going to be easier for a lot of people but you know that I, I don't care about that I mean, okay uh, well, what what do you what do you, what what are you um, I mean one I am in obvious look obviously I admit it I'm intrigued by an entire new operating system that's what this is I recognize that that's, but I, that's good and that's exciting and that's what what we um, you know what people pe one of the good things about people should have I mean one of the things is is you know your disk um, disk tools in your virus software yes yes that's going to go bye bye because of the fact that we use a different file system now with the long file names which those softwares aren't aware of there's that growing pain for everyone there yeah it, it and most of the manufacturers are ready or will be ready shortly for those and uh, but, also but hold it hold it now pause sure doesn't that make uh, a case for Prudence, in other words, for sitting back and saying, "Look, I've, a three-one-one is running great. All my applications are running great. Why am I not smarter to wait until the bugs are out? Uh, the applications uh, are rewritten, many of them for uh, Windows 95. Why is it not smarter to do that?" Well, one art. By the way, my name is Douglas. Um, the one thing which um, you got here is we already have inside the product a disk defragmenter. We have we have we have a um, disk scanner for bad sectors and stuff already in the product, so you do have some basic disk tools with you today. Okay, okay. What about the virus question? Uh, now that that's that's important because I do a lot of telecommunicating and uh, upping I mean, uh, up and downloading, and uh, so now address that. Um, on that, I from what I understood is, and I don't want to speak for the companies to cash checks for them. So what I've understand is, a couple of them supposedly tomorrow you might want to go give them a call. They probably have something already there for you. Well, that's a guess. Um, <laughs> that's something I think you should feel fairly confident about. About that way, a lot of them are there. The other thing is, is that a lot of your virus software, yes. I have found it to work. Works fairly well for people as long as they use. I've used McCaffrey's under it before too. Their later versions to do it. Another thing with virus software, which you have to realize. Can you use the old DOS uh, MSAV? Uh, will it uh, do you any good with Windows 95? 
they'll catch the viruses which it knows about today. The one thing with virus software in general is that virus software, you always have to constantly upgrade it anyway because I, unfortunately well, there's jerks in the computer world which want to damage your machines for some kick. I, I don't understand why. but I know. I know. That way, so that that that's what it's there too. I mean, even under DOS Windows three one. All right, sir. Listen, I, 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 I really appreciate the call. Thank you. That's obviously somebody on the inside. I've got a couple things I've got to do here. It's been fun. It's really tempting. You never know what I'll do when I get off the air here. You never know. <laughs> I'm kind of hyped up about it. Now we take you back to the night of August 23rd, 1995, on Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes, turn your radio off, please. Yes, I just did. Sorry about that. Good. This is Chris calling from Austin. Yes, sir. Uh... I just wanted to make a note on your... You had talked about the brain, people using the brain for yes. healing themselves. Yes. I had just recently read, I think in Discovery Magazine, you said something about you believe we only use 10% of our brain. Whatever it is. It's, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. I just read that uh, with their MRI studies and stuff they're doing now that we use 100% of our brain. Well... That is indeed a new discovery, because uh, I, I had not heard that. Yeah. Um, you know, they can uh, measure the magnetic resonances of whatever you're thinking about, apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, they put people in there and have them think about different things, and they can measure which parts of the brain are being used, and apparently they've got most of it all mapped. Well, that's news to me, uh, certainly news to me, and um, uh, when did they manage to map the part that uh, gives people special powers like precognition? I, I hadn't heard that either. That, well, you got me there. Okay, uh, I well, I had to get you somewhere. <laughs> All right, thank you. I don't know if that's true or not. Some of the rest of you may want to comment. Do we use 100% of our brain? I don't think so. All traditional science that I've heard of all my life Indicated something like 10%. Now, maybe that's wrong. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Uh, this is Konovic in Kennewick. Yes, sir. I was wondering, sir, if you got the uh, Bigfoot article in the mail. I did, thank you. Okay, great. And uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, do pictures from newspapers turn out on faxes? Um, hardly ever. Okay. Uh, if, if, you, if you know what you're doing and you go, you put it in light mode for transmit, uh, you've got a real good chance, but if you let it go normally through, uh, you generally get a black blob. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I wanted to just make uh, one comment. About, I sure hope they use primer paint on the space needle. <laughs> Would that, that be a good idea? You know, after the show's done, then yeah, yeah, primer paint. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Well, I, I, oh, you know what's funny? We were talking about space needle and the company. The company that did this put the Wheel of Fortune on the Space Needle. They sent me a fax, and they said, yes, we did it, and um, it'll be undone here in a day or two, and then done into something else. 
So occasionally, I guess, they just, you know, they do that with the Space Needle up there. They just sort of decorate it one way or the other. And I, I don't know, I sort of thought of it as Space Needle sacrilege, but, you know, it's Seattle, so I guess as long as it doesn't bother the people of Seattle, it should not bother me. Uh, it, it just, I don't know. I don't know. They had everything but Vanna twirling on top. Huh. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hey, Art, this is Robert Murder, capital of the world, New Orleans. New Orleans, how you doing, Robert? I'm doing fine. I um, was lucky enough to download the pictures from Roswell. Oh, yes. And I got a first look at it, and the first thing I saw was the head of the aliens, and it looked just like from the movie The Thing, if you remember the way the head looked. I sure do. And that, that's, I thought that was real curious, that whether or not it's real or not. But it, um, you know, what so was your what was your overall impression? I, I tend to want to believe it that they are real. Me too. And uh, that's oh, I wonder, and I wonder what percentage of that is. I tend to believe it based on what I've seen versus I want to believe it. Uh, I think it goes more by what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've read. You know, uh, you know how the government covers up as much as they possibly can. And if it was real, you know, like you said, would would the people panic or go crazy? Yeah, they would. And uh, enough of them, anyway. Well, I know my wife would because she already looked at them and said uh, she wouldn't believe it if they came up, walked up to her, and bit her. Really? Yeah. She doesn't want to believe. Tell your wife to be careful what she even thinks about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all that's all I want to tell you about. Well, listen, how's New Orleans? How is it? Um, I don't know. They said it's getting better because it was down like two months ago when I talked to you, but it looks like it's climbing up again in the murder rate. We're killing two or three a day again. Two or three a day? Yeah, we uh, knocked off five a day before yesterday, and I think three, three since I woke up this morning. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah. All right, well, look, uh, we're out of time, so say good night, America. Well, good night, and God bless America. That was nice. God bless America. Certainly can use his help. Well, listen, um, another great night of talk radio. Tomorrow we'll learn more about Windows 95. As for me, I've got this CD. What should I do with it? See you tomorrow. Good night.